West Bank Studios on State Street. You're listening to ESPN 1000, WMVP Chicago. It's 9 o'clock on a Saturday. Live from Chicago, it's Saturday morning. It's the Murph and Fred Show. Starring Mike Murphy, Fred Hubner, and featuring Eric Ostrowski. Now here's your host, Murph and Fred. Uh, busy day. Very, very busy day. Glad you're with us. Three hours of sports talk. We are live. We're in Chicago. Well, the big voice guy just said, it's 9 o'clock on a Saturday, live from Chicago. I'm Mike Murphy. He's Fred Hubner. Fred, you're live right now in Chicago. Yeah, I'm live now. Huh? I was just on tape a minute ago. And if you listened. That was to, you, wasn't yes. it? I thought I recognized that And voice. if you listened to me and Pappy, Mike North, oh, on, I like him. if you listened to the odds couple last night, he went one and one in his picks, uh-huh. and the fill-in me yeah. went two and zero. Oh. I took the Atlanta Braves in the under, covered, win the parlay. Too bad I don't gamble. Do I smell the oh. uh, the uh, odds triplet show uh, coming up? I don't know. No, that's that's beginner's luck is what it's <laughs> called. Carmen will be back in the show next week. Did Carm submit any of his picks? No, uh, no, no. All right, Carm. When he takes vacation, he takes vacation. So the uh, White Sox game was late last night, and I have yeah. to admit, Fred, yes, it was. I conked out after the first couple innings. Yeah, twelve twenty is when it ended. Oh, twelve twenty, no. yes. And the- so, and it ended. <laughs> it ended. It's nice to see that Yohan Moncada got three hits. That's that's the great thing to see in the yeah, box score. Right. He struck out with two men on in the mm. last inning. That part, eh, people are going to say, but he got three hits. Yeah. But- you know, if it's at a time when they're winning and in contention, that's when you want your stud to step up and get that base hit. I believe I, well, I looked at the box score about uh, 4.30 this morning. I think he, well, he was 3 for 5 with 2Ks. Yeah. Might have been. Yep. All right. 3 for 5. You don't do that all year. He hit 600, right? He doesn't waste his time, though. When he strikes <laughs> out, it's usually like on three pitches, mm-hmm. four pitches. They throw him They throw him like three hooks, and he's gone. But uh, I I can't criticize him. I'm just upset that I waited up till 1220, and they had a chance to score a few more runs. And you know, Ricky's boys don't quit. They had a chance to score some more runs. It would have been nice to do something in that last inning against Oakland. They didn't. Mm-hmm. A bunch of home runs for the A's, three home runs, three all, three solo shots. But, uh, yeah, that was enough to beat the White Sox 5-1 yesterday. We'll dovetail back, Fred, to Yoan Mankata. Interesting uh, stats and notes here from our buddy uh, Daryl Van Scoen over at the Sun-Times on Yoan and uh, some other Sox. There's stuff. a lot of great stuff on him and uh, yeah. and then on a bunch of youngsters, He too. did, he yep. did. And uh, the Cub game, uh, by the way, we're here till noon. Our famous phone numbers available uh, for you, 332 332- Three seven seven six. Do I have to give the area code? I always do. Three one two. There's so many now. Three three two three seven seven six. Or it, that's, it spells out ESPN. The numbers. Uh, if the numbers can spell, that's yep. what they do, right? Three three two ESPN. Kind of like Hudson three two seven hundred. Way love back in that. the day, uh, you go way back there. Yeah, Olymp- Olympic one. six two yeah. three two one. Uh, yep. yeah, yeah, my grandfather told me about the old yep. prefixes. There you go. So the Cubs game. Very interesting on many, many levels. We have some sound bites to bring you up to date. Maybe, you know, you're working. You didn't have a chance to catch up much. The uh, Cubs win. Everybody, if they, let's see, Milwaukee lost. So the Cubs are a game and a half up on them. What about, let's No, no, see. no, not just Milwaukee. 
Everybody in the division lost because the Cubs beat the Pirates. Mm-hmm. The Cardinals lost to Colorado. Yes. No, the Reds lost to Colorado, and the Cardinals lost to Arizona. Uh-huh. So everybody in the NL Central lost except the Cubs, so they picked up a game on everyone. Uh, That's how you start the second half of the season. I saw, speaking of that, Gordy, uh, our buddy Gordon, Gordy Wittenmeyer, sometimes guy, he mentioned uh, last night or today that the Cubs have, let me see if I can get this right, the Cubs have more games remaining within the division than any of the other four teams in the division. Well, starting yesterday, 15 <laughs> of their next 21 were against the, their right. division. So you got the, at each one, you've yeah. got the Pirates for three, Cincinnati for three, Milwaukee uh-huh. for three, St. Yeah. Louis for three. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know uh, if that, I think he even concluded with, don't know exactly what this means, but the, uh, the Cubs have more games within the division, which means you can... Uh, Make or break your own uh, bed right there. You so. can if you win them all or uh-huh. or at the end, everybody, you know, you knock them off, they knock you off, and at the end of the year, it's as close as it is now. Very interesting uh, quotes by Anthony Rizzo after the game, but first things first, Cubs do win. Uh, I thought it was an exciting game. Four, what does you have to do? Four to three. <laughs> you was terrific. Yes, he was. You, and you're great, Fred. Don't <laughs> ever think not. So, uh, you six innings pitched, two hits, no earned runs, no Ernie's, one walk, eight strikeouts, 94 pitches. People don't talk enough that, you know, when he was last year, I mean, Chatwood was bad walking people, but Darvish would do it too. And he's, he's really cut down on his walks this year. Yeah. The, uh, his last four or five outings, yep. uh, way down low in, yep. and he unveiled one of his many old uh, pitches from his old arsenal, his repertoire. He's got a dozen of them. As they used to yep. call it, the uh, split finger. Uh-huh. Or the splitter, as the insiders like to call it. The splitter came back, and he's throwing like Joe was talking after the game. You know, he's got different speeds. He throws each pitch like with two or three different speeds. So he's got a slider, three, two or three speeds, fastball, two or three speeds. He was really on his game, and he wanted, I just found this out after the game, that he requested to pitch right. sort of out of sequence, you know, from the last five uh, in-order starts to end before the All-Star break. He would not have been in line to be, he said, I want to go first. Right. He says, that Friday back, it's a tough game. People are, you know, sort of coming back and said, I want to be the uh, lead dog, the uh you know, big horse. So he big, lived. He yeah, lived, numero uno. Yeah, he lived up to his, uh, you know, boasting, if if you will. Not that he was boasting. He says, I want the ball. Yeah, he so, pitched well. A lot of highlights, and we have some of them coming up right here. From uh, That would be from good old uh, NBC uh, Sports Chicago, right, EO11? That is correct. Yeah, because cool. Capper had to leave his show early. I jumped in for the last 10 minutes of his show because he had to get over there for the pregame wow. yesterday. Miss Little Miss a lot. With his, I didn't with know his, that. With his cream-colored suit. He looked wonderful. I saw him. I thought he was going to be uh, selling the good humor out there, yeah. like the old good humor man. The beard jumped out a little more. You ever heard the expression, you look, you're dressed up like the good humor man? No, you have no idea what I'm talking about. No, I mean, I know what good humor <laughs> is, but I don't know what the good humor man is. Oh, they used to have a little white truck jingle jingle that would drive around or park on the corner near the yep. uh, the, the park. You'd hit up your park. mom. You'd hit up, you'd hear the bells ringing yeah. and you'd hit yeah, up your mom. they still mom. have the ice cream trucks, but they're definitely not dressed up anymore. But the yeah. good humor man. Well, they should be. Bright white. Yeah. Like wedding gown, white pants, wedding gown, crisp white shirt, pressed the white hat. He was the good humor man. So that's who uh, I thought Capper looked like a goal, like the good humor man yesterday. Yep, he did, and he was in good humor after they held on because first <laughs> things out of his mouth is that would have been a tough one to lose. 
So, oh, he did. Yes, he did say that. Yes, and it would have been with a three nothing lead, and then all of a sudden, uh oh. Well, Pedro Strope was put into what I would call a pickle, and we'll break that down in a minute. But zero zero. Going into the uh, bottom of the seventh inning, and uh, Bryant's leading off. You and, call that a pitcher's duel. Uh, yeah, it was up until that moment. Yep. And Bryant, well, Bryant hit a high arching in a very windy day. A lot of sun. Right field, you don't want to be out there. I've seen Clemente drop balls out in right field in the sun. Hank Aaron, it's all the greats. Yep. Keith Moreland. Okay, well, but that, he was one of the greats. Yeah, I was going to say, along with the greats, Keith Moreland. Remember Keith Moreland? Yep. Played right field. Zonk. Remember him out in right field? Uh-huh. The Cubs get him in the uh, in a trade, and I'm in spring training. So it's March. They just acquired him. So when would that have put it? That was probably, what, 81? And uh, so I'm with, see, my buddy Vince Lloyd. They're not, he's not doing a game that day. Okay. They only used to send back on radio like they do now, just a handful. Then for many years, they did like almost all of them for right, a while. right. And so Vince is up there. He's in the last row. He's got a beer. He's got the sunglasses on. <laughs> he talks out the side of his mouth. He's got well, the, he had to because the cigars on the other oh, side. Cigars on the yeah. other side. <laughs> so I said, I'm going to see that guy out in right field. I go, yeah, Keith Moreland. He goes, you watching him play out there? I go, well, no, I am just just got here. We just got in. You know, he goes, he runs like a deer. <laughs> I go, Mike goes, yeah, a deer with three legs that had one shot off. <laughs> Oh, that's a good one. Hey, Vince, let me get you a beer. This is great. So, Bryant, leading off the seventh, no score, hits a high arching fly ball t- towards where the old bullpen would have been in right field. Okay. Maybe like, remember when the right fielder would tumble over the, the pitcher's mound every once in a yep. while? I thought that was great sport. Evidently, the players didn't think that was so funny, right? So, no longer is there the bullpen. No. And now the wall... It, it juts out. Is that the word? Jut? Yeah, it juts jut, out. Or jets, juts out. So, Milky Cabrera, who's a terrific outfielder, I think I've been, you know, oh, he, he lost the ball in a sunny, implying that he should have had it. Well, knowing what, you know what, I don't think Hayward would have had it. It's, you know, it's, it would have been an amazing play, but it gave second life to Bryant because the ball actually hit the brick wall. These were jets over there, juts over there, you know, and it dropped harmlessly, then boom, boom, uh, off the wall for a long strike. Well, the next pitch then uh, is what you would call second life. I finished the first half on quite a roll, and he gets the second half off to a very good start with home run number 18. And a little bit of a mistake with the breaking ball this time from Archer after the no play in right field by Cabrera. Life for Bryant, and he delivers. Number 18 for KB. Cubs on the board, 1-0. That'll be followed by a, a base hit, a solid uh, oppo by uh, Rizzo. Uh, Caratini gets a walk, Fred. Then there's a, a, a dunker uh, to load the bases by Hayward. And a, a line-out RBI. The, the kid, uh, Garcia, lined one out to right field far enough to get the second run in. Third run will score on a bases loaded walk to Bodie. Anyway, they get up 3 nothing. Now you go to the top of the eighth inning, and you're feeling pretty good about yourself. If you're a Cub fan, if you're Joe Mann, if you're the Cubs, got a 3-0 lead with two innings to go. And, uh, well, let's bring in uh, Pedro. Okay, gets the first guy on a pop-out. 
Next guy, uh, Rams, a, a clean double. Before you know it, it's first and second and... Uh, two outs. Two out. Yep. And Marte's uh, batting uh-huh. in, the, in the three hole. And the big bopper bell. Hey, I'm alliterative today. On deck. So, you know, let's see if we can't get Marte out in the inning. Not have to face the big bopper bell, right? So, it gets a little bizarre right here. And if the Cubs had lost this game, Cap and... Uh, De Jesus, they'd, yep. have, they'd have done about two hours on this little plane. Now it's lost in the shuffle now. Yeah, because they won. They won. Yep. Everybody's happy. But it's so weird. And I know EO11, you worked on this uh, with the razor blade in the back room and the uh, scotch tape sort of set it up. And again, it seems innocuous. It seems like nothing. Uh, but but now, uh, first pitch, ball one. Okay, Marte, two on, two out, bell on deck. First pitch is ball one. All right. Now, the second pitch is ball two. But it appears to be an intentional, not a pitch out, Fred, like the old days, right. where the catcher would actually jump out three, four feet, pitch out, and yeah. you know, maybe throw it down on a, a, a suspected steal. Yeah, you've got, Star- you've got Marte, a right-handed hitter. Yes. Up. So, yeah, yeah the ball is thrown basically to through the left-handed batter's box. Yeah, about maybe 12 inches outside, yeah. but yeah. not where you give it away to the runner on first. What it is, is you could call it a trick play or a planned play, which you work out under cover of darkness in Arizona and in the mornings occasionally. So no one. Can. So the play is very simple. Runner on first, he's trying to get that big lead off. The one ball, no strike pitch is intentionally thrown, like you say, Fred, about maybe a foot outside. Catcher Caratini doesn't jump out, but he gets it, boom, and it's a back pick. Yep. And here comes Rizzo. It's a planned play. Rizzo's bolting towards first, knowing the hitter's, you know, probably not going to hit the ball, hopefully. And then, boom, back behind him. You tag him out. You get the runner too far off first. Inning's over, right? That would have been nice. You wouldn't have to worry about Marte and then Bell. Now, bang, bang, safe. And yep. here's how it comes down, because now you put Strope in a pickle. 1-0 and oh on Marte. 2-0. and oh. Throw to first. Safe. Had a planned play as yeah. Reynolds got back in. Yeah, it's interesting. They're willing to go 2-0 in the count here to Marte to try right. to pull off that play, and it almost worked. High fly. That's going to tie it. Starling Marte out on the wavelength. Three to three. And how big does that double play look now? What you mentioned. Yeah, yeah. The Pirates within shouting distance. Osuna's been so good off the bench. He delivered Reynolds with a good at bat to take the walk. Forward home run replay. Horrible spot for a pitcher. Yep, trying to go down and away. Two seamer runs right back over the heart of the plate. Belt high for yeah. Marte. Yeah. And two and zero, oh, probably sitting dead red. Yeah. We got all of it. NBC Sports Chicago. It's still rolling. That ball went past the house that uh, knocked ah. on the door with Dave King. And uh, it just kept going. 460 or something. Oh, my God. But the point is, everyone's going to say, oh, any, you know, I'll even say this. Joe may eventually look at Strope in the seventh inning and Cishek in the eighth inning. You know, eventually. I don't think he's not going to do anything. But you put the pitcher in a pickle. Now it's 2-0. Oh. If that bat pick doesn't get the man off first base, which it didn't, and you heard, you heard see, Jim Deshaies is pretty sharp. He's, he didn't come out and say it, but he said it. He, yeah. By, by saying, using the words willing. Willing. Yeah. In fact, you know what? Let's, 
Let's hear the first 10 seconds of that again. Listen for when Jim Deshaies says, well, you were willing. That means you opted to to put the kid in a bad spot if you didn't pick. And how many times does a back pick work? The Cubs do, I believe, lead the league in back picks outs, usually, especially Contreras. Right. But Caratini did a great job. But see, listen between the lines. Here's a quick snippet again from the beginning. Listen to Jimmy Deshaies. Willing. 1-0 and on Marte. 2-0. and Throw to first. Safe. Had a planned play as yeah. Reynolds got back in. Yeah, it's interesting. They're willing to go 2-0 right. in the count. Very good. Nicely done. That willing to go 2-0 in the count. But you win the game, and like I said, Fred, everything's fine. Yeah. Nobody. I Not love, a problem. Love to know who put that play on. I would love to know if that was Joe put it on. I would imagine ninety nine point nine in my mind. The dugout has to put it out. Yeah, it's got it's to. Got to. Yeah, for for the longest time, I was I was wondering if in mm-hmm. fact catchers call all the pitches. And I was talking to a catcher and uh, one of the guys that knows, and he goes, "Yeah, catchers call everything. The only time the catchers looking into the dugout is to get plays for guys on base. Throws the first, right. throws down the second. You know, pickoff plays, things like that. That's why they look to the dugout. Otherwise, they're calling the whole game. And that's why certain pitchers want to have their guy. Yeah, you know, their catcher. They feel comfortable. Well, with and them. Caratini started yesterday. A lot yeah. of people were upset that Contreras. After you take a whole, you know, the All Star break. And granted, he did go to the All Star game and participated. But uh, people were saying, "Listen, you're starting the second half. You need wins. Why do you not at least play Contreras and left or and right? Get his bat and." Lineup and he didn't. He sat yesterday. I was very disappointed in everybody that said that. Well, I he, thought it was put him in the outfield. I mean, let him let him hit instead of Schwarber. You know, and I said, I know I people well, Schwarber's said, in trouble. People said he was oh he was two and eight against Archer. Okay, that's fine. He's a young kid. He's still, he's had eight at bats or ten at bats against Archer. That's not enough of a sample size to be sitting the guy down. But if you are, I can't disagree. If you're going Bob, to whatever Ivy told him to do. If you're going to though, let Caratini get a start every once in a while, and he usually catches Darvish. Right, he catches them all the time. And you know what, Archer and his record hasn't been great, but he's really tough. he's pitched better of late. But he's tough yeah. on righties. His last outing against the Cubs was real good too. I don't think it's something. I don't think Cub, the Cubs want to uh, be putting uh, Contreras in the outfield too often. You know, it sounds nice. Okay, put him out there. Okay, whatever. We'll see. Well, listen. The but other Schwarber's question has been horrible. The other question people had is why and, and we know and you just said it that darvish asked to start mm-hmm. if you're a cub fan it's like okay this guy's never won at wrigley field you need to win the second half's underway you're playing pittsburgh yeah. who just took care of you in their ballpark why not throw lester he's had nothing but rest uh but you know they probably had it all figured out that two weeks from down from now they'll have darvish and lester and Quintana going against the guys they want him to go against well yeah and uh, they 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 go backwards. Yeah. They look ahead to off days. Uh, they want to make sure Quintana faces Milwaukee, right? He pitches well against them. And they want to, <clears throat> excuse me, and, you know, they have off days coming up uh, the next, uh, actually, three Thursdays in a row. Yeah. Uh, counting uh, the All-Star Thursday, then the next two, they go backwards. When's the next time we need the fifth starter? No, sure. we don't. So it's, you know, it's a... Sort of easy, simple knee jerk to just go. Oh my God! How come Contreras isn't in there? Well, there's probably more reasons why he's not than why he should be. But you know, whatever. This is a simple kind of thought in my head, but this weekend is going to be a hot and humid weekend. He's going to catch back-to-back games today and tomorrow. Wait, Maybe they want to give him a little bit of voice, breather with the hot, humid air. That voice is that, I- that voice is Ivy. 
Yeah, I right? See, that's not analytics. That's why I don't think that would happen. I didn't know Ivy. No, that's Erica. E11, if I could see my screen for the uh, sun here, uh, you could g- give me an E11 sometime today. E-O-E-11. Yeah. There you go, Erica Straskin. No. Yeah, you're, you're right about that. No, and, you're exactly right. And today it's weird. It's only supposed to rain <laughs> when the Cubs are playing today. It's supposed to start raining around one o'clock till about five. I thought you were going to say it's only supposed to rain at Clark and Addison. No, 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 no. It's been it did that for years and years. The rain stopped when Joe came. Uh huh. Right. You know, some other speaking of things that uh, this is not a. Oh, now I got three to five. The rain's going to happen. Not not one to five. So they'll maybe they'll get it all in. This is not a what's your beef, but another thing that all week, all week, <clears throat> I've heard people still talking about. Well, you know. Uh, Hayward got picked off the other day, so they're, they're, they're not paying attention. Yeah, right? I, know, I heard it too. Okay. Yeah. And and I don't want to drudge up something that's a week ago, but let me just say this. The, Hayward was picked off first. There were two out, and he was stealing on the play. All right? Now, I don't know if this is... Hello? Is, Eric, is this working? Is the microphone on? Okay. I think, I think we got it. Yep. All right. There's only one time... Here's when it's okay to get picked off first if you're stealing, all right? It's never okay to get picked off first if you're not stealing. It's very simple. He was stealing on that play because he flinched towards second. It was a, actually, it's a balk move, which they've been doing for 20 years, so you can't, but he was going. He was stealing, and he got picked off. That had nothing to do with not being attentive, and people have been trying to paint that. As much as, uh, you know, Hayward over the year. By the way, he's having his best statistical year since he joined the Cubs. Let me ask you a question. Who drove in the game-winning run yesterday? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Who went the other way driving in the game-winning run yesterday? And everybody, listen, Hayward deserved the criticism he got when he got it. But right now, Hayward is doing everything he can do. He made some nice catches in the outfield, too, yesterday. Oh, absolutely. So it's 3-3 after the Marte home run. Now it's the bottom of the eighth inning. Oh, man, going to the ninth. Tied up. First and second, two out. Hayward's up. Can he knock in the lead run? First and second, two outs in a tie game. We just said that. Bryant's going to try to score. The throw by Rouse to the plate. Running time. Cubs lead four to three. Now, part of what makes Chris Bryant such a special player is he's got all that power and a whole lot of speed, too. And you talked about it. Even scoring position, Hayward lashes that ball to left field. That's not an easy score. It's certainly a, a send situation. Hayward played it well. The throw was strong. It was online. Just a little bit late. And it's not only speed. He cuts the bases and runs the bases better than anybody else on the team. There's no doubt he runs the bases better than anybody else. Javi runs really well. Nobody runs the bases technically as well as Chris Bryant does. Now... He did round the base wide, a little wider than you should, which can add one whole stride, you know, extra. Uh, to quote our good buddy Ed Farmer, the military cut, you know, you boom, boom, right. almost, uh, you know, the uh, hard uh, well, right it is angle. In, it is impossible to cut it. Cut well, yeah. No, I know. Yeah. But see, okay, what you're supposed to do is... Hit the run, bag and push off. Not, well, yes, but you're yeah. supposed to run from second straight towards third. Then about 10 feet before third, you make a real quick, like, move to the right, rounding it off so you can then almost go straight through the bag again home. But whatever. But here, bigger picture. Now, this is from our buddy Mark Gonzalez had the quote after the game. 
talking about uh, Bryant's uh, the expanded lead, also known as, you know, the secondary, combined with an aggressive wave by third base coach Brian Butterfield. But here's the quote, Fred. Bryant, too often, and this is sort of what, this is what you were saying, but I've never heard it phrased this way. Bryant says, after scoring what became the winning, winning run, run right. too often I see guys who take it easy out there, meaning on, on the bases. Yeah. At second base, talking to the shortstop or talking to the second baseman, uh, Bryant said, I owe it to my teammates to give them my focus when I'm on the bases. That's good to read. I've never heard anyone yep. say that. Have you? No. I don't talk. I see. And he didn't say my own teammates. Yeah, he I said, don't want to say he could guys. be calling guys out well, on his own team. I think he means everybody in baseball. Yeah. You know, my guys, those guys, whatever guys right. doing that. And to say that, I thought, was so amazing. Yeah. And we got to get back to Schwarber. Well, and listen here. I mean, really quickly, I can get this done quick. Someone posted these numbers. Chris Bryant this year, his average is his career best at 297. His on-base percentage is second best in his career. He was 409 in 2017. Mm-hmm. He's 402 now. Slugging right now is 559, a career best. His OPS, 961, a career best. And in some of the analytics, his WOBA is a 402 and his uh, weighted runs uh, created plus is a career best at 150. He's having a tremendous year, even though he may not be hitting the ball out of the park as much as you would like. In fact, we have a, a Jesse a soundbite we can get to right after a quick break. <clears throat> Excuse me. We talked about uh, Chris Bryant's epiphany and his uh, new awakening, yeah. which ties in with what you were just saying. And when I, when I said that, there are 30, going into yesterday's game, 34 guys in baseball had mm. 20 homers or more. Yeah. Yesterday, his was 18. So when you think of Chris Bryant, you think that he'll have a few more than that. You think he'll be up in that higher echelon. Schwarberg's average and his on-base percentage have been plummeting. He bounced into a key double play when the game was still on the line to end an inning with, I think, we had the bases loaded, we being the Cubs. And uh, the big play, though, maybe we've buried the lead. Rizzo, the final play of the game. All that and more. Jesse joins us later. White Sox talk going down on the farm. Learn a little bit more about some of the red-hot White Sox. It's Murph and Fred back in a flash. It's ESPN 1000. Give it to you right now. I'm Mike Murphy. He's Fred Hubner. Sunny. Gonna get hot. Gonna be hot all week, I guess, huh, Fred? It's gonna be crazy. It's Your gonna be like weather, neck, no, not at all. I'll be I'll be indoors <laughs> except for the fire game I'm going to tonight. Uh-huh. I'll be indoors for almost the rest of the time. Down There's no reason for me to go outside. 94 pitches, uh six innings. Like to see him go seven or eight uh, a few times, but he does throw a lot of pitches because he gets the three-two counts and works it in foul ball. So you know, and it, and he does take a sweet ass time. I'll tell you that. You know, he what I, takes his time. You know what I've been meaning to ask Jesse oh for God. two years. Jesse will join us a little bit later. How come he's wearing? A, he wears a green glove, Darvish. Huh? He's been wearing a green. Have you noticed that, Eric? He wears a green glove, Darvish. I thought the league had a rule that you have to have your glove either the color of your uniform, neutral, meaning like leather brown or right. that. You can't have a white glove because that can distract from right. like the baseball. If you, but okay, whatever. Uh, Darvish. Here's another thing, and I was late to the parade. We'll talk about this some other time, Fred. But the winning pitcher, losing pitcher, it is a joke. Oh, you know, 
Uh, I understand for 150 years you're the pitcher of record, you know, but you have to go five innings if you're a starter. And I believe that was done back in the 1900s when uh, 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 pitchers uh, uh, would could man, could manipulate a pitcher to get a win or a loss, and you know take him out after two innings. And but huh, time and again, now you see it. So Darvish goes six innings, right? Right. Six innings of you know call it almost perfect ball, two hits and one walk, right? And six innings that ain't too shabby. Then all of a sudden Ryan comes in through now. Cishek gets one guy out. Yep. Then the Cubs go ahead, and he's the pitcher of record. He would have got the double, yeah? The giant double, yeah? If, if indeed, Marte hadn't homered to tie it. So who should get the double, yeah? Uh, One-third of an inning guy or the six-inning guy? Then they tie it up. Now, Rosario, same deal. He gets one guy out. Then the uh, uh, the base hit by Hayward, he's the pitcher. He gets a double, yeah? Right. Why wouldn't, why wouldn't Darvish, who goes six innings of lights-out ball, be the winning pitcher, the best pitcher. Should, would, yeah. uh, would the, should, well, you and I will disagree on this one. Well, I've, I've been the other way. I, yeah. I, I've been with you for Well, but, it's just it's just that they didn't have a lead at all when Darvish was in. So it's hard to give. Was well, that his fault, though? Yeah, but, but it doesn't, I mean. Well, it does matter because yeah. pitchers don't go nine innings. I mean. Well, that's their fault. Well, it's not anymore. Suck it up. No, it's, <laughs> there are pitchers that still throw complete games in baseball. You're going to come around on this one nah, someday. Nah, I'm not. Oh, you, uh, no, you might. No. If, if he leaves with the lead and then it gives gets is given away and stuff like that, but it was a, he left and it was a scoreless game, so I can't give him a so win. The guy throw, for that. Eric, can you help me out here? So the guy throws one third of an inning. And, I go with a team and he gets win. The giant W. I go with a team win. Wins don't mean anything anymore, right? Well, so well, you admit it. So just go with a team win. Well, wait, you just admitted wins don't. Well, that's what people say. So it doesn't matter if a, play, a pitcher gets it, which which pitcher gets it. So since they don't matter, well, you already get a team win. You look at the wins and loss column. No, yeah, I think if wins and losses are yeah. a team thing, which they are, if he wasn't in the game with the lead, then he shouldn't get the win. Yeah, if he was in the game with the lead and then they gave it up and they got it back, then I could consider it. But not if he, not if they weren't winning when I, he left. I mean, I you know I, I can't argue because that's how it's been forever. He's the pit. Well, if you can't argue, sports radio is going to go away. <laughs> We've got to argue. <laughs> the pitcher of record. Yeah. Well, Rosario got the W because yeah, he, he was the pitcher yeah, of right. record. He for... didn't deserve the win either. That's why I said okay, it now should you're be. Half, a... You're half. Oh, no, no. Yeah, he didn't deserve the win. But, All right. Half you know. a, okay. How about half a W? Well, it would have been even worse is if Rosario or if Strope went that whole inning. Yeah. And gave it up and then got the win. I hate the, the blown save win. Well, that's me, yeah. the BS that win. Hap- right. It happens. That one's an yeah. awful one. You blow the lead. Yeah. You're in the hold. It. That's why you just make it a team win. Right. And then your team scores immediately. You're the pitcher of record, and you not only blow the save, you get the W. Yeah. It's not right. Well, that's okay. Then you but agree if numbers, don't, if numbers don't matter anymore, <laughs> nothing matters anymore. Home run numbers. Who cares? No, they don't matter anymore. So top of the ninth, Cubs are leading four to three. Craig Kimbrell comes in. He's throwing two pitches, 97 mile an hour heater and some weird pitch at 84. I say that because on the screen now they identify, you know, the, not just the miles per hour, but the name of the pitch, what the pitch was. And on your phone. Oh, do they really? On the phone does, yeah. Some Depends if it's on like two uh, NBC Sports. Other, you never know. Depends if, but on your phone, you know how to look that up. So look up if you want the uh, ninth inning, Kimbrel. So they'll show like you know ball one ninety eight four seamer. Okay, and it'll say like uh, strike. It'll show the grid too, like where it was on the uh, K zone. You know, right. And now with and him, usually they'll show it as a ball, right? But they'll say eighty four right. slider, eighty four changeup. 
you know, 92, you know, slider if the guy's throwing 90. Kimbrels are called knuckle curves. Yeah. Now, I know what a knuckle curve is. There's a lot of guys in the game throwing it now. Because it's just a curveball in one of their no, fingers. I know. One of their fingers, oh. they use the knuckle. Oh, no, I know. I know. Yeah. But can you throw an 84? I talked to a guy I know that really knows pitching. He says, I don't know. I don't think you can throw a knuckle curve 84. I said, well, wait a minute. The guy can throw 100. Right. It's not like in the old days when 90 was where you'd top. I like Bert Hooten. You know, was famous with a knuckle curve. They didn't have radar guns back then. My God, how old are these guys here? They didn't have radar guns. How about that, EO? So maybe this is an 80. Anyway, he throws knuckle curves and fastballs. So he gets the first two guys out, no problem. But you're still, oh boy, you know, still nerve-wracking. So here's a uh, ground ball to Bodie at third. And it's going to be bang, bang. And Bodie's got a, he's got a hose. He's got a cannon for an arm. And it's usually, boom, right there, belt high. This time the throw drifts over, sort of towards the first base coach's box on the other side of first base to follow. And Rizzo has to do the fast footwork. And, and uh, Fred, you're the old first baseman. Yep. You know how important that footwork is. Oh, you, my dad wanted me to go to ballet school. The footwork's so important. How did that work out? Well, I didn't go, and I probably should have. <laughs> Otherwise, I would have played a long, long time in the major leagues. So he does almost like the splits, stretching towards like the first base dugout with his oppo foot on the base and the umpire it happens so quick he says safe well let's see bounce it a third charged by Bodie off balance throw safe off the bag this may have been on first that was a very <laughs> deliberate call by Nick Lynch. yeah that was Nick I, Nick Nick just uh, I gotta call something here I don't know and I don't blame him that's the beauty of replay from the umpire's point of view it'll this be challenged a crucial call and for sure you're gonna challenge it I keep showing the crowd the replay and they react to it every five seconds and here's the call Cubs win Cubs win one two three night and the Cubs beat the Pirates four to three. Highlights NBC Sports Chicago. It was a EL eleven had to edit out there about uh, two three minute you know the delay. Now sure it worked in the Cubs' favor. You know they right. win, but Fred, there's just something about the delay. You know the walk off play, the end of the game play. Yeah. It's just so weird oh, it's when tough. you have to yeah. wait and wait. Now this time you know fifty fifty. This time it worked in the favor. But when the, the ump goes, you know, behind, he's over by the dugout, takes that headphones off and goes, you know, fist up in the air, you're out. Yeah. And then it, that means the Cubs win. But it's never quite as exciting. No. And the crowd roar is quite as much as if, like, the first base I'm going, you're out. Right. Place goes bananas. Oh, yeah, right? it's not nearly as exciting. But get it right. Yep. Which is, I mean, hey, worked out. Hey, I'm, I'm a big just, fan of getting it right. I, I just, know. It's I'm just a, so I'm bizarre. Not a, I'm just not a big fan of the way they do it. So. But it's the last play of the game. It's very bizarre. So, uh, I don't know what they're going to do with Schwarber. He had another... Well, he's uh, leading off again today. Well, oh, is it out? Yep. He has an, had another 0-4. 0-4. 0-4. 0-4. Let's see. Yeah, he's leading off again today. Uh, no surprises, really, in the lineup. He's down to 224. I can pull it up. That's on not good, huh? You don't have his on base in front of you there, do you? Let's see. Anyway, his on base is sliding as quickly as his batting average. So, you know, he can't stay up at the top much longer. We've talked, talked, 
talked about how to get a leadoff hitter. There's a guy, Sogard, Eric Sogard, that's available. Yeah, Jesse mentioned him the other day. And, of course, Merrifield, you know, and then we've been talking about they want the Cubs' young catcher at eight. His on base is uh, 317. Schwarbs? Yeah. Let's see. 224, 317, 451. When it was 335, it was cute. Yeah. You know, to bat him up at the top right there. Then, a, then a, hey, one more thing that's been irritating me. The, Just the, one? Yeah. The, you know what burns my butt? Egg, a flame about three feet high. <laughs> but then we went to uh, What's Your Beef? It seemed, yes. seemed to make more sense. The Almora play. Well, plus we had Ronnie who would bring oh, us yeah. beefs. Yeah. Oh. Right. We go for a Roddy's combo right around right, now. And Browns. Yeah. Okay. But here's the thing. So the Almora play, remember about, I hate doing this, about 10 days ago, the Almora play where he cut the ball off and left center and then uh, the behind the back thing and he dropped it and uh, people are still agitated about that. Yeah. Uh, I've heard people like, he did the alley-oop play. Well, no, there's nothing like an alley-oop play. Alley-oop, we know what that is. Used to be in football and then NBA where you lob it up and you slam dunk it or you catch it in the end zone. I may be the only person that thinks he wasn't hot-dogging it well, there. me too. Yeah. He Thank was, you. He wasn't hot-dogging no, it. The no. ball, he was already past it. The ball took a bounce, yes. and he figured the easiest way for me to get the ball is to go behind my back. Uh, he wasn't hot-dogging no. it. It wasn't on purpose. It looked awful because yes. it didn't work. But I did not think he was hot-dogging no. it. Everybody else, I mean, went off. Because and, it's easy, lazy blasting. Well, yeah. Well, when when you when you bobble it, you deserve to get criticized. Okay, so right, but yeah. he, he but right, if he didn't bobble it, it would have no, been fine. The, the bobble is fully to be criticized, but to say the hot dogging, what he did was, and you explained it better than I can. He was in a goofy stride and a half, and the ball was a little. It came up to like his him. hip. The ball bounced up to like his left hip as he was running towards left field. Towards left field, and his left glove. In his, you know how when you run, your arms go back. And yeah. His left glove then was behind him. And in his mind, I believe correctly, and you said it just yeah. better than I'm saying it, he thought to reach behind and grab the, the ball would stay the, stay the half a step. He's probably done it a million times in batting practice, in uh, right. fielding practice, and never had a problem. It's probably the only time he's ever tried to do that yeah. and drop the ball. And unfortunately, it was a, you know, it was a big moment, so... What are you going to do? Right. Did you hear Darvish after the game? He was talking about his elbow issue in 2018, you know, the, the surgery in the offseason. And he said, it's sort of hard, you know, he talks, speaks very well, but yeah, it's sort does. of sometimes choppy. He sort of right. goes in a circle and you got to like backpedal to, okay, I, now I know. And I believe what he was implying was that the first month or so this year, or two months, even though his arm doesn't hurt, mentally, when he would make a certain, you know, the certain fastball from this slot, he and I know what this. He remembered how it used to hurt to right. do that, so he'd either move the slot a little bit, or in the back of his mind, it's going to hurt. And I don't think that's an excuse. He was saying, you know, his mental a lot of. I didn't have the pain, but I felt. Here's how he phrased it: I felt the pain mentally. Okay, which threw me off at first, but I know what he's saying. I I remember. Yeah, I remember know. how it hurts. Yeah. yeah, and now he says that's past him because, uh, I mean, he was every bit of the big-time free agent signing yesterday. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. Hey, you have heard us talk about Seven Bridges Golf Club. 
It's one of the Midwest's best-kept golfing secrets and conveniently located, really for me, too, uh, just a half-hour drive from Chicago. Provides public access golf in a setting that affords a private course feel. Seven Bridges, annually rated as one of the top five courses in Illinois. Seven Bridges offers value-driven pricing to weekly, corporate, and other frequent golfers. This summer, save up to $25 per person when you book a foursome. Come experience how rewarding golf can be for tea times or to learn more visit seven bridges golf club.com or call 630-964-GOLF Murph and Fred hey when we return I got about we have yellow pad full of topics Jesse around 11 o'clock White Sox talk at 1130 for all you guys who went to bed early we'll fill you in on what happened last night got our play by play guy from a double A White Sox Birmingham Kurt Bloom get a eyewitness report and uh, Nick uh, Madrigal, the second baseman, has been tearing it up. Their uh, first-round pick uh, just, uh, you know, uh, eight, uh, 12, 14 months ago. And uh, they just promoted uh, Luis Robert, who uh, was down there. So we'll get that. But, uh, Fred, when we return, and you can vote now at uh, ES, uh PN, God, how do we vote again? ESPNChicago.com. ESPN I'm sorry. Yes. No. On Twitter, at ESPN Chicago. Oh, is that it? Right. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. Chicago baseball fans, vote now or phone in. Who is better? This is just A or B. Who is better at tanking and rebuilding? Theo Epstein, Rick Hahn. All right. Is it time now we can start comparing rebuilds? Who is better at tanking and rebuilding? Theo Epstein, Rick Hahn. Well, on that end, how about. Some unbelievably great uh, reporting work and interview skills by our morning team, Golick and Wingo. They had Commissioner Manfred on, and they did something to him I've never heard done before. They followed up, not once, but twice, three times, when they didn't think he was giving them a definitive answer. And Fred, you were on with Bud Sela, got some of that yep. busy day. Murph and Fred, back in a flash, ESPN 1000. busy day. We have about 30 pounds of sports talk to shove into the uh, three-hour show. Murph and Fred. Uh, all right. Uh, stories uh, today about the netting. It appears, well, no, it doesn't appear. The White Sox, congratulations. Theirs will be all done when they come home. Pole to pole. You know, the safety netting like you see behind home plate, the screen, call it what you want. And it's amazing. They're going pole to pole across the field. No, that would stop a lot of uh, long uh, balls. It would, which was just good when certain pitchers are pitching. The commissioner loves the long ball, by the way. He mentioned that. We'll get to him a little bit later. The current yeah, commissioner. The current commissioner said people love the long ball. We got that one there, uh, EO11. Where is that one that cut to? You got the. Let's cut. start with home runs. You know, it's easy to get carried away with you have too many home runs. Let's not forget, you know, our <laughs> fan data suggests fans like home runs. Yeah. I mean, it's not the worst thing in the world. Unbelievable. Yeah, you know, well, you know, it's funny. This, we had this guy. I don't like him. We had Jeff Passan on uh, the Cap and Company show yesterday, yeah. and he said something, and I pulled a cut. And um, they were talking about home runs and how they're mm-hmm. helping bring people to the game and stuff. And he said, "Well, because I understand the premise," he said, "but the problem is 
attendance is down and TV ratings are down, so home runs really don't bring people to the game. Twitter poll number nine, vote right now at ESPN 1000. Uh, do more home runs, yes or no, do more home runs result in more new fans buying tickets and more new fans watching TV, yes or no? So the White Sox will have the netting, and uh, uh, Jerry Reinsdorf and uh, Howard Pizer, I was reading, they you know, said, yes, let's do it. Uh, it's going to go, as you said, uh, Fred, from all the way around, from foul pole to foul pole. Yep. It'll be... Uh, completed. It's, they're working on it now for the next uh, first home game coming up after the All-Star break, July 22nd. So, let's yeah, go Sox are on the road for nine more days. Golick and Wingo on uh, 5 a.m. To, to 9 a.m. Uh, Mondays through Fridays. Miss a little, miss a lot. So here, I love it. Fred, you're going to love this. They have Commissioner Manfred on. This was Monday morning at uh, 8.31. They put him on the grill. They did. Politely and professionally, Teed yes. him up, flipped him over. <laughs> and they asked him the first time, well, who's really in charge of mandating that the uh, foul pole of foul pole safety netting goes up? And they didn't like his first answer, so they followed up. And they go, yeah, but who's really responsible <laughs> for the netting? Is it the commissioner? And then he went, hamada, 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 hamada. Better for baseball, right? you know, or is it the team's? And then they didn't like the second answer. So the third time, well, that, well but yeah, but, but Commissioner, is it uh, the, uh, your responsibility yeah, but, or the team's? Uh-huh. Oh, let's eavesdrop. I love it. Fan safety's a really big issue for all the clubs for us. Um, we've made tremendous strides the last four years in terms of the amount of netting in ballparks. I mean, you know, four years ago, the standard was the on-deck circle. Right? And we're now out past the end of the dugout. The way we've achieved that is we have worked with the clubs individually, recognizing that each ballpark is different in terms of the way it's laid out, in terms of the infrastructure that's in place, and we have constantly encouraged them to make improvements. Um, we're now, everybody's out past the end of the dugout. I think the, the four that you mentioned will be the beginning of yet another trend of extending the dugout to make sure our fans are as safe as possible. You know, it seems every former ball player, even current ball player, says it should be a no-brainer that every stadium should do this thing. Is there, and I know you have said it, it's up to the individual teams and the stadiums, is there, because we never know where that, that gray area with commissioners is, of that line in the best interest of the game. Can oh, you you in, if for lack of a better term, invoke right. that. Yeah, you could, look. I could say to the clubs, um, everybody has to do X on netting. Mm-hmm. That is an approach that is unlikely to be successful, given that we're in the middle of a season and that there are differences in terms of in- infrastructure that it would make it difficult for some clubs to uh, comply with that rule. We've looked at rules. We know how the stadiums are configured. It's not as, e- it's not as easy as saying, you know, everybody is going to go to here because yeah. every stadium is laid out differently and it would require different kinds of construction. Can you say by next season right. you have to have it done? Yeah, look, I think you will see continued <laughs> progress um, on this issue. I think that the offseason will see another uptick of clubs. Uh, you know, it's it's easy to do other people's jobs. Um, and I think that the strategy we've adopted is to work with the clubs individually, not put them in a position where, you know, they're trying to meet a standard in a stadium where it can't be met. Continue to work with them and make sure we have as much netting as is possible and produces the maximum safety for our fans. That's why you have to be a lawyer to be the commissioner. I believe he must, I have a feeling he's got a law background. And, yeah, well, uh, the, the one 
thing is, he is right about one thing. It's easier at the ballparks where the lines just go straight down to the foul pole, mm-hmm. as opposed to the ones that have a you know that jut in and, yeah. and go back out. It's more difficult there. He's right about that, and I understand that. Right. It's a lot easier for ballparks like Guaranteed Rate Field than uh, than than Wrigley and then some other ballparks. Boston. I mean, it's got to go down the line, cut it over, cut it back. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's not going to be easy at some of these parks, and I understand that. He's right about that, but he could say it's got to be done by next no, year, period. No. Is our legal department told him not to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, because if we admit it has to be done, and then it's not, and then someone gets anyway. Murph and Fred, our Take number away your one. home games. Hey, when we return, who is better at tanking and rebuilding Theo Epstein, Rick Hahn, vote now, all that and much, much more. Hour number two, it's ESPN 1000. Saturday's all right. Hope you're having a great day. Running all your errands before it starts getting hot and sticky. Too late. Fred already ran his about 4 in the morning because yeah. I wanted it to be hot and sticky. Yeah, too late. It's really <laughs> sticky already, and it's 83 down here. So Disco demolition uh, anniversary today, 40 years ago. Is today or yesterday? Uh, I have it as uh, July 13th. Wait, what's today? Today's the 13th. I think it's today. Oh, so maybe everybody just did all yesterday because they know nobody buys the paper today. I do, (laughs) but nobody else does. You weren't there, huh? No, I was watching it on TV. Me too. Yeah, I watched it on TV. I had a softball game that night, so I had to to play softball at Hawthorne, (laughs) or no, at uh, Clyde Park District. Oh, I like Clyde. Clyde Park. Mm -hmm. The Burlington used to have a stop station called Clyde. Yeah, they did. They might still. They still do. Yeah. Yeah. All right. White Sox lose last night 5-1, to one, late, late, late. They're three games under 500. Moncada with uh, three hits. Yep. That was nice to see. Uh, two times in a row, John Jay grounded out with oh. two on and two outs to end uh, scoreless innings. Hmm. Uh, yeah, that would have been um, helped. Uh, Moncada with the um, MLB's longest current uh, hit streak. 14. 14 games. Yep. Very cool. Uh, Nova, six innings, uh, three home runs. Listen to this, though. Seven times this season, the team has had 10-plus hits with no extra base hits. Three of those have been the White Sox. So I don't know if that's good or bad. Three times you got 10 hits, but no, they were all singles. From the White Sox notebook, uh, sometimes guy Daryl Van Scoen had this today. Eli, Eli Jimenez, uh, uh, has hit this year uh, 16 home runs. Cool. Fourteen of them have been either uh, between left center, a uh, center, or right center. Okay, going up the that's middle. Good. That's how you do it. Wait till he starts hitting them down the line in left field. Just poking them. I don't know. That might goof him up, though. See, he's no, he'll hit, him. he'll hit the whole field. Going up the middle. His spray chart will look like Ronald Lacuna's. How about this note? Aaron Bummer, who has not been a... Uh, oh, I got this note. This is an awesome note. Uh, you got it there? Yeah. Is ERA, you got that one, uh, 1.89? Is that the one you have? It ranks... Uh, Second best of all left-handed relievers in baseball. Only behind? The guy that came in to close out the All-Star game, Araldis Chapman. Araldis Chapman. So probably, so maybe Rick Hahn will be bothered uh, before oh. the All-Star, or before the trade deadline with Aaron Bummer. It's like, hey, you want Aaron Bummer? Good. Give us your top guy. Tough decision. Yeah. You know, but you know those they relievers. Got pitchers. You know, unless you're the top guys, they 
they come and go, so I, that'd be a, a tough decision. It would, but, you know, they, they wouldn't give them away for nothing. No, no, no. No. Oh, no, absolutely not. And uh, uh, our buddy uh, Gordy Gordon Wittenmeyer uh, has uh, one of his favorite uh, Cubs notes. Uh, the uh, Cubs payroll this year just for pitching, all right? $138 million, yeah. all right? Which is more than the average total payroll in the majors. So the average payroll in the majors, uh, it, the Cubs pay more to just the pitching, all right? And it's more than the uh, combined payroll altogether if you add together two different teams. The Orioles, and they're not so hot, but and the Rays, and they are pretty hot. They are hot, yeah. So uh, together they don't even reach the Cubs pitching uh, payroll. Uh, Cubs stars uh, yesterday, we broke it down in hour number one, but you uh, Darvish, big outing, six innings, two hits, no earned runs. Bryant. One of these days he'll get a decision. Yeah, if I, you he got what? nothing. If I hear one more person say, he doesn't have any decisions at Wrigley Field. Not, well, he's going to win. He had 94 pitches, six innings, no yeah, earned runs. Pitched well. took him out of the game. He pitched really his, well. It's not his fault Bryant didn't bat an inning earlier and hit, hit the home run. But whatever, Bryant to star with the solo job in the bottom of the seventh, put the Cubs up one nothing. Then they tie it up. They being the Buckos, 3-3 three to three on the home run. We've talked about Hayward. Uh, then gets the two-out RBI bingo, Oppo, over to shortstop's head, basically, to put him up 4-3. And in comes Kimbrell with the save. Rizzo, another star of the game with the big final play. Uh, let's take a look at some results. You know, last uh, half hour, we set it up. One last uh, click there for us, Eric Ostrowski. This was Commissioner Manfred Monday on the uh, Golic and uh, Wingo four-hour uh, gab fest talking about, well, our fans love the home runs. Let's start with home runs. You know, it's easy to get carried away with you have too many home runs. Let's not forget, you know, our fan data suggests fans like home runs. Yeah. I mean, it's not the worst thing in the world. I remember back during Your the fan data's wrong. steroid era, yeah. era when uh, it was still politically correct to go, chicks dig the long ball. I said it yesterday, so I don't matter. Oh, boy. That Plus, was Federico. Yeah. Yeah. But that was their actual, you know, T-shirts printed and their logo. And Well, you had Maddox and uh, Glavin talking about it. That's right. Yeah, they, they, they were on a national commercial. Yeah, they chicks the dig the long ball. <laughs> yeah. So I'm thinking about this. Is that true? Do fans love the long ball? So Twitter, Only if they're teammates. <laughs> Paul, well, bingo again. Yeah. Bigger to bingo to Bilko. Huh? Who is, uh, uh, do fans, do more fans, I'll get this right since I wrote it last night, do more home runs result in more new fans buying tickets and more new fans watching baseball games on television? Yes or no? Because our survey is every bit as valid as their survey. Didn't he say that? We Our survey says? Yep, our survey says, yeah. and he waited for the ding, but it didn't come. I'd like to see that. Uh, yeah. I'd like to see that survey. So uh, EO11 has the results, but uh, he's not telling us right now. I'm going to take a guess that uh, I guess the fans say no. Because this is aimed at do home runs bring in New fans, basically. You know, buying tickets, watching on TV. I'm just going to guess it's uh, about 66%. No, no, it doesn't. Uh, Fred, did you vote? What do you think? Yeah, I voted. Uh, I said no. Okay. Yeah. And I think it'll probably be 70%. 
Oh, you're going to up me by 4%, yeah. huh? Uh-huh. Okay, so like the old price is right. Uh, yep. Eric, did you vote? Uh, I voted I voted no as well, uh-huh. just because, as we've seen, the analytics have proved that, as, as you quoted the passing quote from yesterday, home runs are up, attendance and TV ratings are down. But maybe they're up with new fans, see? Right. But they don't offset Having that caveat, right. the uh, fans that have bailed. Yeah, see, I don't think... I don't think that. I think that number is way overrated. The number of fans that have bailed. It's just. It's not that they've bailed. They've passed away. I mean, let's be honest. They uh-huh. talk about the age. The average age of the fan is about fifty-five, fifty-six. It gets to the point where, yeah, the old baseball fans are dying. They may not be getting some of the new ones. So that may be one of the reasons that the attention and the viewership is is not hanging around. I, I can't believe if you're a diehard baseball fan, you'd give it up. I mean, I don't, there's nothing that would have happened over the last couple of years that would have said this game sucks. It wasn't. It wasn't a uh, a strike. It wasn't a lockout. It wasn't a holdout. It was none of those things which people always say that you know. Well, you know what? After that lockout, I'm not coming back. Well, that may come up in a couple of years, but it's not happening right now. What do fans say, Eric? All right. So, do more home runs result in more new fans buying tickets and watching on TV? Sixty-four percent of the people on Twitter that voted said no. It does not. Yeah, you sixty-four. You were right on. You were close. Oh, right. I, yeah. You were like two off. That's because I voted twice. Did you say sixty-six percent or yeah, what? I voted, yeah, I voted twice. There you go. Well, let me say this, and E11 like your input on this, Elton Fred. I've I've said this, but not enough over the years. Owners, this is just me. Owners don't care about. The older fans, you know, <laughs> leaving or, and worried about younger fans. They don't care. I'll tell you why. Most owners anticipate selling their team, most owners, within the next five, ten years. That's my eh. guess. Ricketts might be in it longer. But I don't know. I don't think he is. I think most owners don't, don't, aren't nearly as involved. I know that sounds silly. Uh, I don't. I think most owners aren't nearly as involved um, as the Tom Ricketts is. Uh, but is Ricketts planning to be here more than five or ten years? See, I think these guys are worried more about year to year. You know, how are we doing this year? What are we going to do yeah, next year? We've got the new TV right. deal coming. Yeah. I don't think they could give a Dan Jiggins, Rats, Rudy Tootie about, well, you know, in ten years, we're trending in a bad direction. That's okay. I've sold mine for double profit, triple profit in five or ten years. Listen, one, if you, if attendance finally falls, mm-hmm. then you just take the top level off of all the stadiums. You go back to like Oakland. You go back to lower levels, and that's it. Or Oakland, they put the big yeah. tarpaulin up from pole to pole sure. in the upper deck and put a big green A's yeah. on it. Uh, that's what the Chicago Fires do at Soldier Field when uh-huh. they move there. If in fact they do eventually. Cover a bunch of seats. Otherwise, you got a 60,000 seat stadium with 14,000 people. So they're, Looks moving, like garbage. they're moving to Soldier Field. Is well, they d- bought their way out of their contract yeah. at uh, Seat Geek Stadium for mm-hmm. $65.5 million. So I haven't seen any of them since I've been, since I uh, expressed my opinion on Twitter. So hopefully they allow me to sit in the press box tonight. You haven't seen anybody from Seat Geek? No, from the fire. <laughs> so um, what about from Toyota? Oh, they're not, they're not there anymore. Yeah, I'll drive my Toyota to the game, but yeah, that's about but it. But SeatGeek have like a 20-year deal, and they, had, they got, what, one year out of it? Yeah. 
So who pays off who am I, I That's a great question. <laughs> I, they're going to keep it because the Red Stars, the women's team, will still play there. And they'll be able to use the stadium. The town of Ridgeview will be able to use the ta- uh, the stadium for a lot more concerts and a lot of other things now. Are they going to rename Soldiers Field to SeatGeek? No, I don't think that'll happen. So you, they won't be getting a, uh, a sponsor hit. Who is better at tanking and rebuilding? Twitter poll. Give you one more minute to vote on that. Who's better at tanking and rebuilding? Theo Epstein or Rick Hahn? Twitter polls active right now since about 7 o'clock this morning. Cup fans and Sox fans, couple for you right now. 3323776. Cup fans, this is a true or false vote now. Theo is fine as long as he can outspend his mistakes. One of my favorite themes. But I've never posed it as a Twitter poll. Fields feels fine. As long as he can outspend his mistakes, true or false. Sox fans, do you want Rick Hahn to sign a John Lester level free agent? You know, pitcher, field, whatever. Sox fans, do you want Rick Hahn to sign a quote unquote John Lester level of free agent this winter? Yes or no? Cubs fans, do you have confidence in Theo Landing, a second base leadoff man, by July 31st? What'd you say, Schwarbs is down two on base, three, three? 317. Yikes. Yeah. How about that giddy up he hit? His base is loaded one out yesterday. Jeez. Sox fans, will Tim. Ooh. Sox fans. Ooh. Larry Garcia is the White Sox sec- uh, shortstop. Will Tim Anderson? <laughs> I like that one, but that wasn't it. Sox fans, will Tim Anderson be part of the Sox core with Eloy, Mancata, Giolito, Cease, Madrigal, Robert, Robert et, et al. I don't even say it. How are they going to have a roster? They, they're not even going to have enough room on the roster for all the stars they're going to have. Did you use my et al there, uh, Eel? I did the ampersand dot, dot, dot. So You didn't use my at all? Nope, I did the dot, dot, dot. <laughs> I like the dot, dot, you dot. You underestimate our uh, listeners. I think, our, he, I think he correctly estimates. At all simply means and others. Or, right. But I think he correctly. I've never got to use at all, and you, and you scrubbed it? <laughs> I'm just trying to make it so our Twitter folks know what I'm saying out there. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> now you see you're underestimating our, our, our fans. You're not on Twitter, so I'm going to tell you I'm not. All right, well put. Thank you. So let's go to the uh, the main thrust right here. Who does a better job, Theo or Rick Hahn, Theo Epstein, at tanking and rebuilding? I think this was such an easy answer. I was going to put... Both, you know, both, but that's that's too right. that's too weaselly. That's too simple. I actually do think that Cub fans will say Theo and White Sox fans will say Rick Hahn. I'll say Rick Hahn hmm. for the reason of something that you have been brought, talking about for a long time, and that is the waves. Um, the the Cubs, I guess, had waves. Right now, it's very calm. The waters. Uh, the White Sox have continuing waves, hmm. and there's more and more, and there's they just keep on coming. And I think um, because of that, the the rebuild is better on the south side. Now, who knows if it's going to eventually come to fruition? But I think that uh, 
you know, I well, think the, the, who's better at it is I would Hodd say right they now. were both pretty good at tanking. Plus, Hahn was able to take notes from mm-hmm. everything that Houston did and Kansas City did and Theo did. Okay. So that helped, I think. That helps a little bit to Rick Hahn. I don't think that uh, Theo Epstein takes his uh, cues from anybody. He's his own man. Before we spring into the uh, bottom line here, as they say. What's in this stuff I'm drinking? I'm pretty wild today. You know, the first guy to use... Uh, that's the bottom line. Was Chuck Swirsk? Was it Swirsk? Yeah, Swirsk used to do talk shit, radio, sports talk, way back in the day, even before I believe it was a play-by-play. It was on this station, just on a different, uh, different call volumes or colors. Sure? Yeah. Well, whatever. He just knew to talk. CFL. Was it? Huh? Huh? Okay. That's the bottom line. It was CFL? You know, the other the first time anyone. Huh? Huh? That's why there's chocolate, and that's why there's vanilla. I thought those were those was the Swirsk. He might be listening. Chuck, how you doing, buddy? He's, He's in, in Vegas, I think, watching the Bulls. He could be listening to us. Uh, could be. Right? Yep. You can listen to us anywhere on the ESPN app. The Swirsk is on Facebook all the time. Yep. He says nice stuff. It's a beautiful day. And then like 300 people hit like. It's great. I do, too. Hey, Murph. Murph, Murph likes it. Here's the thing. Tanking. All right, Fred. The White Sox are in Eric. The White Sox are in year three of their tank job. All right. Right. They, they started began, after the sixteen season. Correct. Seventeen, eighteen, and nineteen. The Cubs' first tank year was in twenty twelve. That was Theo's first year. All right. In the first year of tanking, the two years before that were just bad. Well, that was Ricketts tanked on his own. Okay. Right. They were just bad years. Oh yeah. Okay. And then Theo came in uh, twelve and uh, wanted him to tank more. So the first year of the tanking, the Cubs won 61 games. The Sox won 67. Okay. Pretty similar. Yep. The second year of tanking, the Cubs went up five wins to 66. The Sox dropped five wins down to 62. So the first two years of tanking added together are within one or two wins. Same deal. Now here's where it gets a little interesting, fellas. The Cubs' third year of tanking, 2014, they went to 73 wins. So 61, 66, 73. But the White Sox currently are in their third year, and they're going to blow past, victory-wise, the Cubs' victories in their third tank year. They're estimated right now they're going to win about 78 and a half games. As long as they don't have to play the A's too many more times. They've lost 10 straight, I think, at Oakland. So the tanking jobs were... Remarkably uh, similar, all right? Though the Sox are doing better, trending up now earlier right. than the Sox did. Than the Cubs did. I'm sorry, thank yeah. you. Than the Cubs did. Uh, and But uh, think about it, though. The Cubs were not supposed to. Uh, 16 was the year they were focused on, and in 15, they played tremendous baseball. 97 wins. Yeah. Then 103 in the championship year. Yep. Now guess what? They're trending downward. 92 and 17. Ah, they're having a hangover honeymoon, Murph. Okay, Jesse. Last year, 18 ticked back up to 95. Right now, you know, they're going to be about 85 if they at this pace. Ah, they're going to make a run. They're not trending. Their longest win streak since the seven-game win streak this year. They've had three... No, four three-game win streaks. So they're trying to put uh, put another nice little streak together here. They're not trending well. Hey, can I ask you a question before we get to the results? Uh-huh. Who's better at tanking and rebuilding, Theo or Han? 
if I hear one more person talking about Zobras coming back. Now, well, it's Theo because, did. And so did Joe. I know. Yeah, they both did. Let me ask you a question. I thought you got Kimbrel because you used Zobras money. What happens when Zobras comes back? Well, you have to lose Kimbrel. Well, <laughs> I'm that, kidding. That's, but. that's good. But th- So it'll be one-sixth of, uh, right. of the year. Yeah. But here's the thing. And they got to have July 31st money somewhere. We're going to ask Jesse that when he joins us. Top of the hour, 11 o'clock. Every team's got July 31st money. They haven't touched it yet because they use, like you point out, the Zobras money for Kimbrel. Right. But let me ask you this. Zobras. What is he? Is he working out? In other words. Nobody knows. Oh, right. Uh. So for them to say, they ex- they basically have said, they ex- Theo basically said we expect him back. Right. In so many words, right? But that's, he intimated that. Yeah. Or intimated it if you'd rather accent the wrong syllable. Uh-huh. Okay. And Joe said. Joe followed similar. suit. So here's the thing. Has he been working out every day? Now, I'm not talking about the 30 days when you're going to actually have to go down to Arizona, play some uh, ball with right. whatever you got going on there, and then uh, uh, playing for uh, two and a half, three weeks at double A, you know. But what about, have you been swinging the bat every day? Take, you know, Dry cuts? Hitting? <laughs> what about this? What about your legs? Is he running every day? Is he doing 90-foot uh, sprints and then doing long run back and forth every day? Yeah. What about his arm? Now, I understand you can probably get your arm in shape in about three, four weeks, soft toss a little bit, then you throw harder. But if he ain't working out, you're not going to then, on August 15th, say, well, go play two weeks and then we're going to call you up on September 1st. Right. You think someone would have seen him, right? You think some enterprising reporter would be wherever he is? Is he in Tennessee I don't, or? Yeah, I don't. Wherever, I think that might be wherever he is. Yeah. You think some? Well, you know, sightseeing. Uh, there's uh, uh, Ben Zobers working out at the local high school. You know, he's hitting for 45 minutes every day on a machine, or he's got some, uh, you know, a double A guy that, that washed out that's 25 years old that throws to him, and he's running and. So I don't know. I don't buy this whole thing. Yeah, I mean, they keep telling you because people are wondering. He he's the guy that uh, that uh, puts the ball in play, moves the moves the ball around. Your and, legs uh, at that age. Oh yeah, thirty eight, right? Your timing. Yeah. Uh, give me that before we get the results from. Uh, yeah, not going to be easy. Yeah. Hey, the biggest event in men's volleyball is here in Chicago. The U.S. men's national volleyball team is competing for gold in the Volleyball Nations League finals against Poland, Russia, France, Iran, and Brazil. Today and tomorrow at Credit Union One Arena at UIC. Watch the highest level of men's volleyball in the world and see Olympic bronze medalist and Loyola Rambler Thomas Yashki and Loyola Rambler Jeff Jendrick. Compete with Team USA. The United States looking to capture their first ever VNL title on U.S. soil. Get your tickets now at Ticketmaster.com. I like the way you went, get your tickets. Get your tickets. Get your popcorn. Step ups like you're at the old car- carnival barker. Yes. That was terrific. Yes. Not Come Bob on over. Come on over. We'll me- we'll check your, we'll guess your weight. Hey, I is, never would do that. Is Bob Barker his real name? Wik- Wiki up, uh, Petey up the old famous Bob Barker. It's got to be a, a stage name. He's a barker. Let's go to uh, Steve on the south side now on ESPN 1000. Steve-O. Hey, how you guys doing this morning? Doing well, Steve. Thanks. 
Hey, I just wanted to comment on the uh, on the poll question. And my thought, I'm a Cub fan, so you might take it as biased, but uh, the fact remains that Theo won a championship from his tanking job. It's to be determined if Rick Hahn will win one as well. Well, factually, you're exactly right. But, Steve, I don't want to wait five years for this uh, Twitter poll question. But, no, I mean... <laughs> we, you, uh, we, uh, the Twitter polls only last for 24 hours. We can't, we can't keep it up for now, five now years. you raise a great point, but that was... He's sort, right. You're true. You're exactly right. But I was sort of a step uh, in locker ahead of you when I pointed out the three years of the Cubs tanking and the Sox three years of the tanking. And the Sox seem to be trending quicker now. But... Uh, yeah, the really, ultimate goal... The ultimate yeah. Goal well, is to win a championship, oh, right, yeah. Steve? Oh yeah. So yes, exactly. So let me ask this: So in year four of our tanking, we won ninety-seven games, yes. won the the play-in game. So yes. in order for Rick Hahn to be able to validate his tanking, that would mean that next year the White Sox would have to win ninety-seven games and qualify for the playoffs. There, right? Otherwise, they they failed. Their, their tanking job wasn't as good. Steve, Correct? Steve, Steve. When they win next year, we're going to turn you into a Sox fan. Steve, October first, no, not going to happen. <laughs> October first, twenty twenty. Thanks, Steve. Steve from uh, South. We're going to get Steve. I want to be sitting with Steve in the bleachers. Out of guaranteed rate or whatever it's called by then. You're going to be behind the netting unless you're in the good old bleachers. But they don't call it that anymore, do they? Maybe they do. 332-3776 will get the results. And I have jotted down the names of all the Cubs and all the Sox that have contributed so far to the Rebuild, maybe that'll help us easier. And by the way, Jesse's on his third cup of coffee. He's going to get ready to deal with us about 11 o'clock. I can't wait for the little guy back in a flash. It's ESPN 1000. Mike Murphy, Fred Hubner, back together on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Bounce at a third, charged by Bodie. Off-balance throw. Safe off the bag. Rizzo may have been on first. That was a very <laughs> deliberate call by Nick Lynch. Yeah, that was Nick. I, Nick, Nick just said, uh, I got to call something here. I don't know, and I don't blame him. And that's the beauty of replay from the umpire's point of view. It'll it's be challenged. A crucial call, and for sure you're going to challenge it. I keep showing the crowd the replay, and <laughs> they react to it every five seconds. And here's the call. That's win. Two, three, nine. And the Cubs beat the Pirates four to three. The ballet move, the one Fred never learned, highlights NBC Sports Chicago. Oh, I learned it. I just didn't go to the ballet. <laughs> I, I learned it on my own. Watching a first baseman from back in the day, a Jim Spencer, if you uh, will. Oh, I loved him. Yeah. He played third one, one game. Left-handed, oh, I believe. Huh. He also, uh, I was at a doubleheader, uh-huh. uh, and he drove in, yeah. well, I want to say eight or ten runs. Oh, I think it was eight runs. He could hit. He could I was hit. drinking uh, lemonade never clear with my buddy, sitting there in jean shorts and no shirts. My second game getting ready to start, I turn around and I see my grandfather sitting two rows behind me. I said, I didn't see you. He goes, I saw you. Sit down and shut up. Now, that was before. Second game wasn't as good. That was before cargo was shorts. You had the. Uh, oh, the blue jean cutoffs. Well, oh, how'd, yeah. you, how'd you sneak in the uh, Everclear? You didn't have to. You just back in the day, they would allow. They'd allow you to bring in. No, wait. They'd allow you to bring in the containers of uh, like milk jug, water jugs of alcohol. Well, they didn't. They didn't know it was alcohol. Park? Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> Could have been lemonade. We were in the bleachers. 
Yeah, you're 450 feet away sitting on that little bench and you oh, can't... Oh, it was awful. Of course, you couldn't... It's hot as could be. It was hotter than yeah. today. Yeah, you couldn't see anything before the, before you even started drinking. You couldn't see well, it. I just saw Jim Spencer drive at eight, but I don't know. I don't know. I don't even know who they were playing. Can't remember. Real quick, that all-star baseball game, I'll never watch it again. Oh, real, come on! Now, real quick, here's why. Now, we mentioned Chris Bryant, who uh, was heads up, scored from second with the uh, with the uh, lead run to put him ahead and win four to three. Bryant said, "What well, you know? He led off the second base, hit the secondary lead. Uh, he got home, slid, and, and he says, quote to, to uh, Mark Gonzalez, too often I see guys who take it easy out there." On second base, third base. They're talking to the shortstop. They're talking to the second baseman. I owe it to my teammates to give them my focus when I'm on base. And that all-star game, okay. You know, I understand TV. They pay a lot of money. But either take the game seriously or not. I have to know which it is, Fred. When they, they're talking, a lean door. Oh, he's fine. I mean, it was, it was a great thing. Yeah. Talking to lean door. He's laughing. Oh, I told the umpire where to go for dinner. Right. He's laughing. And, and they got the left fielder and the right fielder, Yelich and, uh, uh Bellinger. Right. They're, they're both mic'd up so they could talk to each Okay, fine. But they're not focused on the game. Like Brian just said. Don't, I don't talk to anybody. Yeah, I'm, but it's an all-star well, game. No, no. I understand that. And, well, then and, don't pretend. And Lindor was telling Chapman, move up. It's going to be a fastball oh, outside and stuff oh, like that. Oh, I so. know. He was engaged. Yeah. But you can't be 100% focused. So that's fine. But just don't, you know, pretend to this to be like they're really serious. You know, it's, they, to me, they can't have both. They're trying to win, but but we're talking during the, in fact, they now even on some I don't know who does it. I hope we don't do it. They talk to the manager during the game now yeah. on TV. No, that I hate. I, I've never to, liked that. Right, it used to be between innings, uh-huh. or they'd uh, can it. You know, they'd uh, tape it between innings, right. uh, two minutes with Joe. Then they could play. Now they're doing it live during the game. Yeah, that should never be that's done. That's not right. Yeah, that's that's that should never be done. Yeah, but no one they asked do that. Us. They do that far no, too often. I'm not a fan of that at all. But but I had no it, the All Star game. I have no problem. I I uh, loved it. I thought that was great. No, they should no, have come no. up with more it, questions for. Uh, it was great. Yeah, but, they should but, have come up with more questions for Charlie uh, Blackman. Well, it was great. Other but, than his but then beard. don't pretend like it's the you know they're a hundred percent in it to win it. That's all I'm saying. Because to me, you can't do both. Maybe I'm wrong. Whatever. Let's go back to the Twitter poll, and we've been working on this. Let's find out what you said. Chicago baseball fans voted. Theo or Rick Hahn? Mr. Epstein or Mr. Hahn? Who is better at tanking and rebuilding? Now, I jotted down Fred during the break. Cubs players that uh, have been brought in by whatever means or measure, trades, draft, free agents, whatever, by Theo. It's a pretty nice little list here. No particular order. Schwarber, draft. Elmora, draft. Kyle Hendricks, trade. Rizzo, trade. Bryant, draft. Arietta, Strope, Russell, trade, trade, trade. Hayward, Lester, free agent, free agent. Chapman, he brought in as a trade. Kimbrell, the free agent. Schwamber Elmora, Hendricks Rizzo, Bryant Arietta, Strope Russell, Hayward, Lester, Chapman, Kimbrell. Not a bad rebuild. 
with whatever hook or crook method he used, training a lot of Jim Henry's guys. Of course, I couldn't put Contreras or Rizzo, I right. mean, or Baez, excuse me, Baez or Contreras on there because they were already there from the uh, much forgotten and maligned uh, Jim Henry. Yep. Now, I know you jotted down some of your Sox names there. Uh, well, I mean, there's a bunch of them, too, that are still in the minor leagues. But you've got guys like Moncada, Giolito, uh, Eloy in the deal, Cease, Luis Basavi was also in the deal. Um, you got Tim Anderson, Luis Robert, Madrigal in a draft pick, Kopech in the trade, Colome in the sign, Bummer. Um, you also have James McCann, who no one was uh, no, no one was impressed with when he first got him. But now he's played tremendous this season. Uh, Andrew Vaughn, their most recent draft pick. They also have other guys in the minors. Gavin Sheets was a draft pick. Mm-hmm. Uh, Blake Rutherford was a trade. So they have they have tons of guys. Luis Robert, I think we mentioned him. So yeah, they have um, they just keep on. And that's not we haven't even hit on all the pitchers. Dane Dunning, which they got in a deal. Sure. Uh, they also drafted Zach Birdie, uh, Zach Collins. So you know they they just have tons. They have waves. Waves of players coming up. It would be nice for someone in town to finally have a wave. But notice, conspicuously absent, are free agents. So that would, on the Cubs list, that would be Hayward and Lester and Kimbrell. Now those names should start being peppered in. Yeah. The free agent names, which we also have active right now. Uh, White Sox fans, do you want Rick Hahn to sign a John Lester-level free agent this winter? But first things first, let's go to EO11. Who's better at tanking and then rebuilding? The fans were uh, voting all morning. What'd they say, Theo or Rick Hahn? Uh, is it a runaway or close before you tell us? It's a pretty big runaway. Okay. 69% of the voters said Theo is better at tanking and rebuilding. Okay. And uh, studies show that Chicago is uh, more uh, in, uh, heavier on uh, Cubs fans and Sox fans. So if everybody just voted the party ticket as, you know, is expected, that's fine. You know, I understand that. And 60-40 would be almost an expected uh, result. But uh, I'll tell you, the White Sox are rebuilding without free agents. Yeah. Where do you put three more? If you put three free agents on the Sox side, I don't mean necessarily... Uh, a guy like Hayward, but the money for a Hayward, the money for a, a Lester, and a money for a Kimbrel, uh, things might swing 50-50 real quick. You could throw a Garrett Cole over there. That'd be nice. Uh, yeah. To show you to yeah. show you the evils of Lemonade and Everclear, oh. I went to, I found out which game it was that I was at. I said it was a doubleheader. It wasn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, this doesn't make sense, though. It no, said, it, was, it was double vision. Yeah. It, it says that the game huh. started at 10.30 in the morning on a Saturday. Oh, that's a, that's a recipe for disaster. Yeah. Uh, May 14th, the day before, the day before my 20th birthday. <laughs> um, 13,000 people at the ballpark. White Sox win 18-2. Nice. Over the Cleveland Indians. Jim Spencer went 3-for-3 three three with two home runs and eight RBIs. Time of the game, a snappy. Again, 18-2. to Time of the game, a snappy two hours and 37 minutes. You felt like you were out there for about four hours. There were 26 hits. <laughs> 20 runs scored, yeah. and the game was two hours and 37 minutes. My buddy Bob Liptek and I must have mm-hmm. drank that Everclear and yeah. uh, lemonade really quickly for a two-hour and 37-minute game. You know, 
lemonade is dangerous because whatever you mix it with, you don't taste no. any of the booze. Exactly. Oh, I know that. Exactly. Yeah. Again, <laughs> I, I don't. Well, I was going to say I wouldn't suggest it, but if you're of age, it, hell of a hell of a nice drink. You know, it's lethal. Orange juice, lemonade, and then uh, uh, Malibu rum. Oh yeah. You don't taste it at all. <laughs> There's no rum in this. There were. It, it was about. <laughs> it was about another ten years after this. When I was thirty, when I gave up everything else that was not beer. Yeah. Because I I know when to stop with beer. How would you pull that box score up like that? What did you enter to? You pull? go to Baseball Reference. Well, what did you enter? Oh, no, I put. I the put, game that I, I drank ever clear. Yeah, What'd I did, enter? and it was there. No, I went to Jim Spencer eight RBI game. He actually had two of them his career. One of them with the White Sox. <laughs> so I went. It said the date, and I went to Baseball Reference and found the game. 18 to 2, May 14, 1977. All right, Smarty Pants. See if you can find my first game. Here's the here's what you put in. Yep. In the same game, a home run by Ernie Banks, Hank Aaron, Walt Moose Morin of the Cubs, and Joe Adcock. Is that enough to pull up that game? How do you spell Morin? Is it M O R Y N, right? Yeah. And yeah. Adcock. I, I doubt that it will be, but we could try. All right. Yeah. I can give you the starting pitchers, too, but let's see what happens. You don't know what year, huh? Yeah. But you want to see what happens. Yeah, I, I don't want to yeah. do uh, Cup fans vote now. Theo is fine as long as he can outspend his mistakes, true or false. Sox fans, do you want Rick Hahn to sign a John Lester-level free agent this winter, yes or no? Sox fans, will Tim Anderson be part of the White Sox core with Eloy Moncada, Giolito, Cease, Madrigal, uh, Robert et al. And uh, huh? Cup fans, do you have confidence in Theo landing a second base leadoff man by July 31st? Yes or no? Jesse, next hour. Uh, the box score of the four home run game by Joe Adcock came up, so I don't think that's the one. Oh, you know what they did in his fifth at bat? They beamed him. Oh, yeah? Yeah. The Brooklyn Dodgers. They beamed him. Oh, actually, you know what? It did. The very first one that came up said <laughs> after the game, yeah. uh, Drott 20 sat in the equipment trunk, his <laughs> legs dangling. The yeah. three, four, five hitters for the Braves, Matthews, Aaron, and Joe Adcock. The Cubs won 7 to 5. Walt Morin and Ernie Banks homered for the Cubs. Yeah. Yeah. So that might have been it. Yeah. Uh, winning pitcher for the Cubs, Johnny Briggs. Losing pitcher for the Braves, Carlton Willie. Okay. Huh. Got it. That's when wins and losses counted because the pitcher went the whole game. Murph and Fred and back. And more in usually, yeah. Jesse coming up in a few minutes. Sox fans, we're going to go down on the farm a little bit later. Kurt Bloom, double-A White Sox. That's where the action is also. It's ESPN 1000. Ah, so much to talk about. So little time, Murph. Fred, the nine nice, till noon. The nice part about radio is you throw something out there yeah. and someone, someone maybe not older than you, but uh-huh. at least maybe as old. Yeah. Uh, Dan gets to me on Twitter. You can always reach me at Fred underscore Hubner. And it says, Fred caught the tail end of your conversation, the Spencer 8 RBI game in the 70s. I think I was there. Uh, he said, was that the three-homer game? Uh, it was a two-homer game, actually. But he goes, we're at the three-homer game. That was a McDonald's breakfast 10 a.m. game. Wow. McDonald's sponsored the game. Uh-huh. And, uh, yeah, so Dan was there. I was there. Again, I thought it was a doubleheader. That's what happens when you drink lemonade never clear. Uh, <laughs> Sox won big. 18-2 to two was the final. So, yeah, Dan, I was there, too. If you saw anybody... Anybody's grandfather yelling at him in the bleachers, and the guy was stumbling. That was me. And then you mentioned you stumbled onto down the old rabbit hole there. You found the uh, 
First baseman for the uh, Braves back in the day, Joe Adcock, had four homers in one game yep. against the Dodgers. And uh, either his fifth at bat or his first at bat the next day, they uh, did what they used to call beamed him, yep. which actually meant back then you hit him in the head. Hit him in the head. You're not hitting four homers against us again. Boom. He had just started wearing the newfangled batting helmet. Up till then, they just wore the cloth sure. cloth cap. And, uh, you know, he said he would have he would have been dead if yeah. he didn't have that helmet on. And then I'm looking at this because the Pirates and the Cubs, and they had a few of those knockdown things, right? How about this? Uh, heading into uh, the All-Star break, only three teams in the National League uh, hit more batters than the Pirates. So the Pirates are fourth out of 15. They've nailed 40 guys. On the flipper, only four National League teams were hit by more pitches than the Cubs. So uh, they'd be, uh, what, 12, 11th, 12th out of 15. Uh, no, they're at the top. I'm sorry, they're like fifth on the top. So the Pirates hit like almost as much more right. than anybody, and the Cubs have been hit more than anybody. And here's, did you see this Anthony Rizzo? This hasn't gotten much talk today. After the game, he said, talking about the Pirates back last week, remember? Yeah. He said, well, that's a great theory. Throw at Javi's head three times. And then throw a slider down and away. Uh-huh. And you're going to get him out. First baseman Anthony Rizzo said, quote, continued, until MLB steps in and does something, it's a good formula to get guys out. That's how the Pirates pitch. They've had success. Throw three times at their head and then throw it down and away. Uh-huh. Well, let me just say this. All the people that love to say, well, don't throw at a guy, the pitcher, you know. Don't th- after the bat flip, you know. Right. Well, don't throw at him. Get him out. All right, that's that's glib. That's glib and and fun and easy. You know, don't throw at him. Get him out. They never these people that say that, and everyone does. They never talk about the flip flop. Well, what happens if they just start throwing at our guy? They throw at our guy three times. Right. They low bridge him, throw at his coconut three times. Then throw at a slider. Then they throw at his coconut three. What What are we supposed to do? See, they don't have a glib answer for that one. Uh-huh. No, just get them out. No, it's the other way around. You're going to just keep throwing at us, throwing at us, throwing at us. And then, well, no, you can't throw at them. Just get them out. No, no. What stops the other team from throwing at your guy's head three times in a row? They never come up with an answer for that when they ignore that. Yeah, the answer is the fear that they might throw at your guy. And your guy says, hey, they're going to throw at me, and I'm going to come after you because you threw high and tight. Well, you have to eventually. High and tight, there's nothing wrong with high and tight. Plus, if you're Rizzo, Rizzo's going to get hit because he stands on the plate. Well, they all do. Yeah. And they all do that. And you're right. Back in the day, you didn't stand that close to the plate because you know why? They were going to drill you. They were going to hit you. So, so now when someone does go old school like Clint Hurdle, you know, I don't know the answer, but they're throwing up and in. And like we talked about, now that more guys are throwing the four seamer up because that, that offsets the elevated uh, uh, launch angle. Right. Uh, hey, the best pitch in baseball right now is an elevated fastball. People can't hit it. Right. But if you're inside with the knee high pitch, well, you hit him in the knee. Yeah. But if you're inside accidentally... With the upper high pitch, then all of a sudden it's not so, oh, don't worry about it. They just hit him in the in the uh, thigh. When, well, when you see the chart, when you see the hitting chart of uh-huh. a guy in the box and they split it into nine and what their average is at each spot, you are never going to see a guy with a high average on the box that's high and inside. 
because nobody can hit that pitch. So that's where, if you're a pitcher, you if they're hitting the hell out of you everywhere else, you yeah. got to come high and tight in order to get the strikes. Uh-huh. High and tight, even, <laughs> you know, Javi. Javi will hit a pitch that's shoulder high if it's over the plate. So if you're throwing to Javi, you got to come inside. He's going to lean out. He's going to get hit. It's going to happen. All because of the launch. So wear angle. the so wear the C on your you know the the, yeah. the helmet the uh-huh. extender and the helmet. People say, well, it affects my eyes. Well, okay, if you get hit in the chin, it's going to happen. Vote right now, Jesse. Coming up, Sox talk. Also, our final hour. Vote now. Which oh, A, B, or C? Which is more likely to be juiced? A, the players. B, the baseballs. C, both of them. Vote now. At ESPN 1000. For Jesse Rogers, Murph and Fred, hour number three. I see you're waving everybody walking down State Street here in the uh, First Midwest Bank yep. studio, huh? Yeah, there's a lot of people out there today. Yeah. They're, they're uh, mm-hmm. enjoying the day and everything, and uh, mm-hmm. that's good. And they're also enjoying watching the, uh, we've got TVs on here, and Wimbledon's over in Serena Law. So some are enjoying that, some not so much. I tell you, I always say it, miss a little, miss a lot. Jesse Rogers, Friday at 11.08. Jesse's listening right now. He's going, oh, no, what did I do? What are they going to? No, Jesse, this was good. Jesse had some ideas about the Cubs batting order. I don't love the way Joe has constructed even this version of his lineup with Schwarber 1 and Bias 2. I don't get Bias, who hits 317 with runners in scoring position, a huge weakness for this team. Mm-hmm. He's the one guy that's doing it. I don't like him batting second. That, that's where Bryant was and never got RBI opportunities. It's Saturday in the park. It's Jesse, Murph, and Fred. Hey, Jesse. Jesse could use some sunscreen at the park. Let me tell you, if you're coming out to Wrigley, boys, it <laughs> yeah. is a hot one. Now, uh, maybe one cloud in the sky. So hmm. be ready. Be ready for a steamy afternoon. But it is sort of um, still a beautiful yeah. day for baseball. Let's put it that way. I don't care how hot it is as long as it's not cold. Well, I so it should be interesting today. I understand today. you use more sunscreen than most <laughs> people. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. I knew you were going to go there. Yeah, but you've always got a hat handy, so that's okay. No, no, no I don't today. Oh. I am I am frying right now without any sunscreen on, but I'll be up in the press box. Okay, soon all right. Well, you got to get one of those generic hats that has nothing on it. Right, you know right. I mean? nope, those, nope. yeah. No Cub Sox hat, I right. get you. Yeah, oh, yeah, just a regular hat. Just take the logos off the old one he had, the Sherlock Holmes hat. <laughs> well, I've heard, I've heard of Shoeless Joe Jackson. We have capless Jesse Rogers. All right, Jesse, loved your angle there. We'll get back to that in a few minutes. Of uh, oh, And Joe's listened to him because oh. Schwarber and Baez are hitting one, too. <laughs> yeah. It takes time. You know, I wrote yeah. about Bryant not lighting, liking two, and he's mm-hmm. batting third. Now, yep. now it takes a little, there's a little delay. There's a little delay. <laughs> yeah, uh, but, yes. but, but, you know, we can get back to it, but Joe did yeah. address Schwarber a little bit more today. Right. Not so much bias, but we can get back to well, it no, Jesse, no, no. Jesse walks yeah. up to Joe and says, yeah. Joe, did you hear me uh, on the broadcast? <laughs> uh, like 11.05, I mentioned what I don't like about the lineup. You should listen to that. Because it's not that Murph and Fred show, yeah. I hope. No, you could podcast this. You know, you know <laughs> while you're sitting in, after we leave, you could podcast it, Joe. 
All right, but uh, no, let's let's t- uh, tackle this while we're tickling it right now. Now, by right now, the standard lineup has been for a few days. Uh, that's such a word, standard for a few days. It's fluid, but Schwarber and uh, Baez, uh, Jesse uh, and Bryant. Jesse says, uh, "Christy, like would like I like the bat third, Rizzo fourth. All right, now you're thinking behind Baez, not into two hole is valid. Uh, you want more men on base for him, but you also want men on base for Bryant and and Rizzo. So if Baez doesn't bat two, and I'm with you, but where the heck do you put him? Well, I I actually like him as low as five because those Mm -hmm. other guys are on base threats. So Mm -hmm. even if they're not doing everything that you'd want at the plate, they're going to get some walks, Brian and Rizzo in particular. So Baez will come up with a lot of guys on base. Now the counter to that is that simply uh, batting fifth means he may not get that extra bat late in the game, and he's a dangerous hitter. So I get that, but I'd still rather a guy hitting 317 with men in scoring position batting behind on base threats, not in front of them. See, the old school, I think people are starting to think, you know what, maybe they weren't so dumb for 150 years where you want men on base. Remember the phrase, he's the cleanup hitter? What does that mean? It means there were hopefully men on base and he'd clean it up. Now, Len Casper, our buddy yesterday, and this was in the first inning, fellas, and Len Casper he's very new school and analytics and that's super, that's great. So, in the first inning, I'm watching the game, and Marte's up, you know, the third hitter, early in the game, first inning, and Len says, well, you got Bell batting next on deck. And Bell, you know, he's hitting the heck out of the ball all up and down the, uh, the league. Casper Lynn says, why not bat Bell third? You know, he says he's uh, on deck now as the cleanup hitter, but your best hitter should bat third. He goes, oh, but by the way, uh, Josh Bell leads base MLB in 84 RBIs. I go, well, you can't have it both ways, Len. He's leading the MLB in, in ribbies with 84, maybe because he's batting fourth. And then he says, well, you no, know, Clint Hurdle certainly is into analytics. And uh, Clint Hurdle, well, he struggled where to bat, move him up, Bell. But you know what? If you're leading the league in RBIs batting fourth, why the heck would you suggest moving him to third? Or maybe I'm just out of step here. No, I agree with you. And the other thing is people need to know, the other thing people need to know is there's a lot that goes into lineup construction that we don't think about. I mean, Joe firmly believes in protection. He firmly believes in protection. He firmly believes in the lefty-righty thing. And I actually sort of believe in both as well. I do. Um, So there's a lot that goes into a a construction that, that we don't talk about day-to-day necessarily or mm-hmm. people don't think about in general jed hoyer's theory from bill james is you know stack your better players at the top of the lineup and, and go to sleep at night and you'll feel good but there's more to it um i just think that when you have schwarber and, and Baez one two you are not feeding your sluggers very well that's just my opinion and schwarber's on base has plummeted yeah. plummeted yeah. along with his duh along with his batting average what'd you have him down 317 to? 317 yeah. is on base. He had four at-bats yesterday, and I don't want to just took, take one game. Don't get me wrong. That's not fair. But he had an 0 for 4 yesterday with the big fourth at-bat. Bases loaded, one out. Cubs up three to nothing, wanting to tack on. And he, you know, hit a two-hopper to second base. 4-6-3, giddy-up, and the inning's over. Not to, you know, look at just one play. I'm not meaning that. But if he's not going to be getting on base, he can't be batting number one. Yeah, Joe talked about him a lot, and it, 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 it might be 
like the final try here. Now that might be 10 games, 20 games, 30 games, but hmm. I could see him making a change just the way he talked about Schwarber in one sense. Like if he doesn't accept some walks, then he's not effective. He's just not an effective hitter. And I feel like, and it's, it goes around the league. It's not just Schwarber. He's, he's just not laying off that high pitch enough. You know, we saw Bodie lay uh. off that high pitch and draw a bases loaded walk. And Bodie's had problems with that high one as well. Yes. Schwarber's got to accept his walks. That's the difference for me between Schwarber 15 and 16 and Schwarber now. The guy had a great eye at the plate. I bring this up often. Remember those, those unbelievable takes against Andrew Miller in the World Series. First walk of the season, I believe, against the lefty. Andrew Miller on Schwarber in the World Series. I think that's right. Anyway, mm. he, he used to just have a mas- masterful eye at the plate. For whatever reason, he's gotten away from that at times. Sometimes we do see him go through stretches where he, where he walks, but it's not often enough. If he doesn't get accept his walks, he's not going to be the hitter we all think he can be. And I think, you know, at some point here, he'll be moved out of the leadoff role if he continues to just swing and miss and, you know, there are moments where he'll hit a home run, but heck, he can do that anywhere in the in the lineup. He doesn't if he's not feeding the Brian Spires and Rizzo's of the world, he's not doing his job up there. Jesse, it's really difficult though. Think about it. He's had three hitting coaches here, right? Uh, with the team, yeah. three or four hitting coaches, and maybe when he's slumping, they say, "Listen, go on out and hit the ball, hit the ball out there. That's the best pitch you see." So by doing that, you're not going to be able to sit and take your walks. It messes with the heads of people. I mean, they're not sure w- which one they're supposed to believe, who they're, you know, what they're supposed to do. He knows he's a power hitter. Now he's at the top of the lineup. I mean. They've 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 run him through everything. A kid that came up as a catcher, they put him in left field. Now they want him leading off. It's like you know, and I rarely do I defend a guy like this, but they've messed with his head so much. I think he's more confused than anything. No, I, I think you're you're being a little bit dramatic about it because look, don't swing at balls, swing at strikes. Is it that hard to to understand? It's easier said than done. I agree. Trust me, it's not an easy thing to hit. But I don't care what hitting coach you have, they're gonna. This is why I always defended Frank Thomas back in the day when people wanted more power and less walks. Then you are simply asking him to swing at pitches outside the zone. We don't want that. You don't want that as a hitter. So that's all I'm saying. And, and Joe talked about it not just for him. He said, look, this offense will be a different offense if we accept our walks in the second half. For people that you know want to analyze this thing to death, it, I agree with Joe. It comes down to that. Don't swing at bad pitches. I mean, how more simple can you be than that? So – so that's, I agree with that, okay. and, and, and I don't care how many hitting coaches he has. If there's a pitch in your eyes, don't swing at it. All right, Jesse, Fred, let's do this. There's two different phrases. The One line, we can't use in the air. The, no. the lineup and the batting order. And, Jesse, I do this myself all the time, so I'm not pointing you out because I do it all the time. They're totally different things. And you, uh, again, and I do it all the time. Time, too. Yeah, I do it all the time. Well, look at the lineup. No, the lineup are the uh, nine guys on the field. Now, let's look at today's lineup, Fred. You have it there. Now, the batting order, all right? Let's say that Joe put the same lineup out today. The same nine guys are there. But the batting order, he said, you know what? I got to move Schwab's out of number one. Now, how do you construct, that's a great word you use, lineup construction, how do you construct the, the batting order, see I almost said it, today's yeah. batting order, Fred, Jesse, based on today's nine-man lineup. If you don't have Schwarber at the top of the batting order, who do you put there, Jesse? Well, I think we talked about this two weeks ago. My uh, sort of radical lineup would be Contreras leading off, Rizzo second, righty-lefty, 
back to Bryant, righty. Um, Schwarber, maybe four, get protection with bias five. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is definitely d- different looking, but I, I'm i just looking at on-base percentage. I mean, I'm, I'm a simple guy. I want my on-base guys at the top, and I want Bryant and, and Baez and Schwarber driving them. Hold in. that thought, though. What if they're your RBI guys? Well, that's the problem. Well, both, that's they are a, both. Well, that's they the, are both. See, that's the sticky well, wicket. Because I, I was going to say bat Rizzo second before we got into this. Yeah, uh-huh. but I agree Rizzo, with that. But Rizzo leads the team in RBIs, right? Or second, yeah, but they're second all kind of close. But Rizzo, they're all kind of close. Rizzo's had no power now for four weeks. So he's well, not- you asked me, you asked me what I would do. That's what I would do. I go righty, lefty, righty, lefty with my top two on base okay. guys, which basically are Contreras and Rizzo. That's what I would do. Which leads us now to July thirty first. They have to get a leadoff man to j- unjumble what we just talked about for the past five minutes. First question, July 31st, back in the winter, when Tom Ricketts said we don't have any more money uh, you know, now for personnel moves, player moves, does every team pretty much have July 31st, a, a drawer? If, uh, they got a drawer over there in the corner of their desk. Theo says, you know, Tom Ricketts, that's the drawer called July 31st. I got money in there. Every team I got a figure... You don't know how much, but Jesse, doesn't every team, you you know, almost every team have a July 31st drawer full of some money? Every contender for sure. All absolutely. Right. Absolutely. Right. Now that money was not, am I correct, spent on Kimbrel. It appears to be the Zobrist money. Exactly right. I, be- right. I, I believe that yeah. as well. So there's July 31st money. We don't know how much. And he needs, he being Theo, he needs a leadoff man desperately I say, what say you? Agree. Oh, I agree. I, I don't think it's the money that's going to be the problem, to be honest. It's going to be the assets to get that guy. Do they have enough? Do they want to overpay? All those questions are at hand. Uh, I mentioned Eric Sogard in my column. That's a different kind of uh, 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 asset because it's not going to cost you much. But mm-hmm. the best leadoff men with a contract that goes beyond this year, that's going to cost you a lot in terms of uh, minor leaguers. Uh, Robel, Robel. Garcia, yeah. Fred, is he, where's he batting in the uh, batting order? Uh, well, it, we'll have to let you know once they, Joe puts him in the game. He's not in the lineup. No, he's not in no. the lineup. <laughs> See how I use the two phrases correctly there, Jesse? Yeah. You like yes, that? you did. But yeah. I do it wrong all the time. Nor, nor is he in the batting order. Both. <laughs> See, I would bat, I wouldn't bat <laughs> It'd him. It'd be hard to be one. I'm in yes. the batting order, but I'm not in the lineup. <laughs> I, might even, I might even bat him second. I, uh, I don't know if I want to go. I mean, hey, guy's been playing in Italy. All of a sudden, he's going to bat second for a World Series contender. I'm Why not, not ready to go there. Now, if he proves himself, yeah. you know, if he works his way into that role, fine. Hey, what's Northy's favorite phrase? I'm not saying. I'm just saying. Yeah. Right? Yes. He's got. I think he has a copyright patent on it, so I have to send him $20. <laughs> here's, the, here's the thing, Jess. But, when, when Murph was asking me about the lineup today, he asked me, well, who's at second base? It took four guesses for him to come up with the second baseman. <laughs> yeah, I said, well, uh, Garcia, no. I, I said, uh, Bodie, no. I said, Descalso. And he, Fred said, no. And I, I said, who? The Russell. I go, Russell hasn't been the starting lineup in about 15 games at second base, no? Yeah, and I, I will, that's so funny you bring up second base. Um, uh, Madden was asked about that today, and he did admit if someone gets scorching hot now, it's tough to get scorching hot when you're rotating in and out. You sure. have to take advantage. You know, life isn't fair. You have to take advantage of your opportunities. If someone got scorching hot, Joe said, yeah, there's an opportunity for them to play more. But until that happens, and if it doesn't happen, he's just going to keep the rotation going. But he absolutely loves Russell on defense. He loves the up-the-middle right. defense right. when Russell's in the game and Al Moore's in the game. Like All right, today. let me ask you this. 
And Fred, in, in our opinions, is second base in now in the major leagues. I'm not talking about 1950 or 1960, 70, 1980. Would you say, Fred, and then Jesse, that second base is a defensive position no. or an <laughs> or an offensive position now in MLB? No, I, it's it's not necessarily a defensive position. All right. I would say. I yeah, that's that's a good question. Um, you know, short has become both now. You know, uh, I, I you know I don't know the answer to that. I, I don't know. I guess it just depends on your personnel. For the Cubs, it's a defensive position. <laughs> well, here you know you what, Jess. You know what? It's a defensive position when yeah. the guy at second base makes an error. I mean, earlier this right. year on the other yeah. side of town, Yolmer Sanchez, who never made errors, made like four errors at second base in three games. And then it was a defensive position. That when you're playing well, it's an offensive position. So it's hard to hard to justify. I think it's now an offensive position because that's what baseball is. Yeah, you might be right. I mean, it makes sense, obviously. Almost every position is these days because if you can hit a home run or 20, you're going to be in the lineup. <laughs> you're right. Jesse, you love baseball history. Until 1953, third base was a defensive position. A guy named Eddie Matthews came up. He played for the old the Milwaukee Braves. He hit like 47 home runs at third base. And two reasons. One, they liked 47 home runs instead of some punch and Judy guy there. Good field, no hit. And number two, you like baseball history. Wilson Glove Company. Glove Love. They invented the Wilson A2000, which had a hinge down below your little finger. A hinge, which made it for the first time easier to feel the ball. And you could now put a uh, a guy at third base that was not a fielder, but he could still make a lot of plays. And then it took 40 more years to, like, Cal Ripken at short, and then Ryan Sandberg at second. So you got to have Pop at second base. I don't care what you got. Oh, yeah, I don't disagree with you. They have a big a big hole offensively at second. I mean, like we said, anybody, uh, so many players hitting home runs one through eight in the order, mm-hmm. to have a hole is, is not good. And that's with Jason Hayward maxing out this year. I just think if he was kind of the old Jason Hayward and a hole at second, this team would be in, in big trouble. So they're, yeah. they're, they're biding their time to one, Zobris comes back, or two, or I guess the first one would be the trade before July 31st. They definitely need some more offense in second, or Robel Garcia takes over there. All right, we'll that's, that's the big picture. Let's do the little picture. Yeah. Yesterday, Cubs win an exciting game. It's always exciting when you win. 4-3. to three. We've broken this down a little bit over the last couple hours. Stars of the game, Darvish, six innings, his best outing, you might say, or second best as a Cub. Two hits, no Ernie's. One walk, eight strikeouts. Bryant hits the home run and scores from second base. Gets a nice second Dairy lead, uh, slides in under the tag. Hayward, as you mentioned, knocked him in for the go-ahead uh, run in the bottom of the eighth with that uh, opposite field. Went with the pitch, liner over the shortstop's head. Rizzo uh, under the radar with the great final play of the game, stretching Oppo over into the first base coach's box direction. Had to be reviewed. Pedro Strope, not so good in the sense that he gave up the three-run homer, but Let's go now to Jim Deshays. And Jim knows, he knows a lot about the game. In fact, I'll put him right there with Steve Stone, but he's a little bit under the radar because Stone's, you know, so well known. But this guy, Deshays, uh, does a terrific job. Here's the situation, Jesse. A three-run homer ties up the game by Marte of the Pirates in the uh, top of the eighth inning. There's two men on and uh, two out. There's runners on first and second. Marte's up at the plate with two out. 
Sitting on deck is the aforementioned Josh Bell. It's one ball, no strike. Then it appears the Cubs put on, I don't want to call it a trick play, a planned play where they intentionally tell Strope to throw the ball out of the zone. Not a pitch out, but out of the zone to the right. There is Fred mentioned, like in the lefty batter's right. box where he can then whip it to Rizzo. Planned play, he's coming in, trying to back pick, as they say, the runner on first to end the inning. But let's go now to NBC uh, Sports Chicago. 1-0 and on Marte. 2-0. and Throw to first. Safe. Like a planned play as yeah. Reynolds got back in. Yeah, it's interesting. They're willing to go 2-0 in the count here to Marte to try really? to pull off that play, and really? it almost worked. High fly. That's going to tie it. Starling Marte out on the wavelength. Three to three. And how big does that double play look now that you mentioned? Yeah, yeah. The Pirates within shouting distance. Osuna's been so good off the bench. He delivered Reynolds with a good at bat to take the walk. But forward home run replay. But ended up in a horrible spot for a pitcher. Yep, trying to go down and away. Two seamer runs right back over the heart of the plate. Belt high for Marte. Two and zero, probably sitting dead red. Ah. He got all of it. Very professional and polite, as uh, you would only expect from uh, Jim Deshaies, uh, NBC Sports Chicago. Jesse, I don't know who puts that play on, and if it works, it's golden. You're out of the inning. But if it doesn't work, and you heard Jim Deshaies, they were willing to put... Pedro Strope into the position of two balls, no strikes, with Josh Bell on deck. Now, is that a play you guess that uh, you know they work on in spring training? Yeah, they work on before in the morning before the other teams watching. But how does that work? Do the do the players put it on? Do you think you know uh, the catcher looks down at Rizzo and they wink, and then the pitcher they wink, or is that usually I'm guessing put on from the dugout, or do, do we even have a guess? Well, we don't have to answer that question because I'll give you exclusive information. I believe exclusive because I don't think anybody else talked to Pedro Strope and Victor Caratini today, but I did. And unless they're lying, and I don't think they are, because it really is an indictment on how Strope's uh, command was off, there was no play. There was no play. Now, obviously, in the moment, there was between Caratini and Rizzo because you have to have that going on. But Strope was not in on any play. He threw a bad pitch. He threw a ball, and it was just a pitch that Caratini could handle and throw down to first base. They both separately told me there was no play. It was just ball two, and it was a good pitch to handle to throw to first base. So there's your answer. Normally, I do think it would come from the dugout if it involved the pitcher. If it's just catcher in first base like it was, then, then it has nothing to do with the dugout. That's just Contreras or Caratini giving a wink to Rizzo. Strope was not in on it. He just threw a bad pitch. Huh. That's interesting because it yeah. would be difficult for, for Rizzo to get back there unless he just does that after each pitch. Well, no, I'm saying it's possible Caratini winked at Rizzo at some point. Beforehand. He just, yeah, it just And he was going to come down no matter where the pitch was. Well, not necessarily. Okay. If it was way inside and a hard pitch to turn and throw to first. Then he wouldn't have thrown. Gotcha. Well, Uh, let let the record show, uh, watching the play a few times, Caratini did take his right hand, his meat hand, before the pitch and did a little tap thing behind his right fanny, which could or could not be a signal. Sure, but it just, uh, according to both of them, it had nothing to do with Strope. Um, it, let's analyze Strope a little bit further. The problem wasn't anything that went on to Marte, as, as, as long as we believe that. 
which I do. Those guys don't lie like that. There's no reason to lie. Um, the, the problem but with Jim it was... But Jim Deshaies... Jim, he wasn't in on it. But Jim Deshaies <laughs> assumed, or yes. he pitched on you know, he knows his stuff, he assumed it was a planned play. Yes, he did, and so did Len, and I actually talked to Len after I talked to uh, Caratini and, um, right, and, and Strope cool. about it. Good job. Um, the problem with Strope's appearance was the walk to Reynolds. Why did he mess around? Forget quick pitches. Forget even their slider. Just go after the rookie. That was the problem. He mm-hmm. messed around too much. Just go after the guy. He's not the tying run. He's a rookie. You are Pedro Strope. Get him out. Don't have to worry about the tying run coming to plate if he does that. But, no, that was not a planned play. He was just off after that walk. Good I think. job. And then he had to come into Marte. Good yes, job. Yes, I got a friend, a guy, Eric, just got to me on Twitter, and he said, he said, didn't Hadovy go to the mound before that play? Yeah, there's nothing to do with it. It was about the batter. It wasn't about the play. Okay. It was okay. about the batter. They're trying to get Marte out. He's telling them what he wants. Trust, I, I believe them because the, I, I, I manage Little League. In a situation like that, what are you saying to them? You're not trying some trick play to get the runner on first out. You would be saying get the batter. Focus on the batter. And I guarantee you that's what Hadovy was telling well, me. Don't mess around. Go after Marte and get him out now because you just messed around with with uh, with uh, Reynolds me, and uh, he throws ball one, ball two, and then there's he's got a groove of pitch. Me as a conspiracy guy, they were they told them to tell you that this way when they look people go back and look at the signs they say, well, see that sign didn't mean anything huh. because Jesse said that they didn't have a play on. I don't believe that, Fred. I don't <laughs> I believe that Strope and Caratini are that good of liars. I okay. just don't believe. Great, it. great, so. rep- great reporting and yeah, that's good stuff. Seriously, Jesse, great job there. Oh, thanks. And we we just tipped the hat then to Caratini and Riz. So trying to help out, yeah. nothing to do with being a planned play. And uh, so now we know. Now we know because of you. Thank you very much. Jesse, we're over time. You know what that means. we got to let you go. I'm so sorry to tell you that. It pains me to get off the air with you guys. <laughs> and if you're in the bleachers today, the reflection, uh, you won't see anything because Jesse's out there. <laughs> That's so true. I just, I just seriously got sunburned just doing this this show with you right now. Well, so, I do a slow, it was worth it. It I was a, worth it. I do a slow burn when I'm with you. Constantly. <laughs> Thanks, Jess. All right, All right buddy. Take Thanks, Jesse Rogers. Hey, the biggest event in men's volleyball is here in Chicago. The U.S. men's national volleyball team competing for gold in the Volleyball Nations League finals against Poland, Russia, France, Iran, and Brazil today and tomorrow at Credit Union One Arena at UIC. Watch the highest level of men's volleyball in the world. See Olympic bronze medalist and Loyola Rambler Thomas Yaski and Loyola Rambler Jeff Jendrick compete with Team USA. The United States looking to capture their first ever VNL title on U.S. soil. Get your tickets now at Ticketmaster.com. My dad had a Nash Rambler. Oh, man, you could hear that thing coming for miles. Because <laughs> the... Uh, Muffler went out, and well, Dad didn't have money to get a new muffler. Yep. So. But we I can hear it now. are minutes away only now from going down on the farm, Birmingham AA. That's where the White Sox young stars are. In fact, they just moved one from AA to AAA. We'll get all that and more. If you're on hold, we'll try to slide you in. Back in a flash, Murph and Fred, ESPN 1000. I should have said, I should have said Everclear. Yeah. Hey. Everclear and Lemonade. Yes. Eric, start it over. 
Start it over. Fred was telling the story. No tequila. Start it over. Start it over. Fred was talking about the Everclear and Lemonade uh, back out at the Sox games when they uh, he they they didn't check back didn't, in 1970. No, they well they didn't open every they didn't container. Test. They, they allowed didn't, you to bring in yeah. uh, milk jugs, and it was a 10:30 game. 10:30 game. Yeah. We had our McDonald's, uh, yeah. our McDonald's and Everclear. Okay, here we go. All right, not yet, not yet. No tequila. Lemonade and Everclear. Everclear. Oh. And <laughs> you stepped on it. Yep. That's great. Murph and Fred, tell you what. This is where the kids come from, down on the farm. And one of them has just been promoted. Madrigal's still down there. Let's go now. The play-by-play voice of the double-A White Sox, the Birmingham Bear. I just like saying, the Bur- I want to talk in a southern accent, which I can't do. The Birmingham Barons. Let's go to the voice. I don't of- think everybody sounds like that. Play-by-play. Well, <laughs> Kurt Bloom doesn't. Hey, Kurt, it's Murph and Fred. Hello. Hey, oh, Murph, what did I do is say y'all? Y'all. Yeah, yeah, you're in good shape. Hey, were you guys looking at my college yearbook? Because Uh uh, that Everclear and Gatorade um, was the official drink of the UNC Greensboro Spartans when I was uh, DJing uh, back in college. There you go. We had had a fraternity name for it, one that I could not mention because this is a fairly a family radio program. But uh, wow. We don't even want to hear about yearbooks because well, yeah, you never know. And just so you know, I mean, and that was I'm talking about 1977 when I, we were doing the uh, lemonade never clear. So we didn't uh, even have Gatorade yet because the people down in Florida okay, hadn't created it yet. All right, yeah. Well, well, we we graduated to Gatorade from '81 to '85. Yeah, so, there we go. Uh, <laughs> uh, Kurt's exactly right. In fact, uh, uh, back in the when Gatorade first came out. And uh, we found a liquor store in unincorporated DuPage County where they didn't card. Yeah. So I uh, pick up, you know, a uh, you know a little uh, half pint of uh, some vodka, and the first advertising slug line or whatever you call it in the ad business for Gatorade. Now this is before your time. What Kurt mixes Blum. well with vodka? Well, it could have been because <laughs> here's what it was: gets into the blood system forty times quicker than water. Right. There you go. Right. Kurt, you remember that, Kurt? Yeah. That was yeah, it. Yeah, I remember yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, oh, hey, that don't sound bad. Uh, <laughs> Anything that can get into the blood system ah, quicker, yeah, everyone's a fan yeah. of. But there we, you do, go. we do not advocate that, and that was in a different era. No, it's just we're trying to help right. people because it's going to be cold. It's going to be hot out today, <laughs> so make sure you stay hydrated. All right, we're down with the Birmingham Barons, and they've been just feeding, feeding young phenoms up to the White Sox. Fred, I'll let you uh, jump in, but we want, of course, hear about the second baseman and just promoted to Triple A, the center fielder. Well, you know, and yeah, Luis Robert, I mean, obviously he's already made a, an impression at uh, Charlotte, but everybody talks about his hitting, but this guy's an all-round player, isn't he? We we throw that uh, phrase around, five-tool player. It used to be thrown around to everybody, and then we kind of backed off. But, guys, there's, there's nothing on the field he can't do. Now, I've had the pleasure back-to-back years, Eloy and Robert. So watched them both, watched them, their maturity, uh, and I said this on your show, and I've said this before. Eloy offensively is a can't miss, and he's not missing. He's he's, he's doing well. Um, and take away the injury, and I believe he was on the pace 35, 40 home runs. Now with Robert, what you're also going to get is incredible defense and a guy who loves to run the bases. He's got over 20 stolen bases. He's going to finish the year in the upper 30s, low 40s, 
And it's, for him, another challenge. When he gets on the base, he wants that challenge of the catcher and the pitcher to try to hold him on, steal second, steal third. And with all due respect, that's not Eloy's game. Eloy's game is, is hitting it. And, um, you know, playing good defense, Luis Robert can play all three positions. Eloy's going to have to play either left or right. But Robert can go out there and play center tomorrow. And, I, and I'm looking at the box score in Charlotte, and it's hard to believe that a gold-glove caliber guy like um, uh, Adam Engel would move over to left. But, you know, when, when Robert is the future, that's what you do. So Luis is playing uh, center, and, and he'll be in Chicago and in due time. He'll be the center fielder for the Sox. And, Certainly could be there for a decade plus. How big, how big is he? Is he 6'2"? So he's big. I, I saw him down in Arizona Fall League. You know, he he's a big man, but he's fast. So tell us more yeah. about that. Yeah, he's about, I mean, again, if you put him side by side with Eloy, you're looking at very similar uh, body types, wow. uh, both physically, maturity. Um, and then, and, and, and the difference, again, guys, is is that, that you, 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 Speed and defense with Eloy, and that's what you get in Luis Robert. And you could imagine Jeez. how excited. Now I know why there's such incredible excitement. You just tweet or put one picture, anything about Luis Robert. You put Luis Robert went to the grocery store. Ten thousand people want to know more about it. You know, so yeah, it's, I got it's pretty I, exciting. I've got here on your stats, and you know, on, on the Birmingham Baron site, I've got six three one eighty five, and I can tell you, I was at Sox Fest this past year, and as I was standing there, it was Luis Robert was standing next to Eloy Jimenez, and I said, "My God, these guys are monsters." It's yeah, amazing yeah. because through the shoulders and that they're big guys, and obviously we've right. seen we've seen what they can do with the bat. And uh, I just wasn't sure about Robert defensively; and didn't know much about him. But I've seen some plays that people have said he went and got a ball in right center field. I don't know if it was his last day with Birmingham or his first day with Charlotte. And it's like there's no way he oh he's got it already, and uh, it's amazing. And that's what the White Sox. You mentioned Adam Engel. I'm a big fan of Adam Engel. I know he's starting to hit the ball a little bit too, which is great for him. But you know he's a tremendous outfielder, and for them to move him out to another position to play Robert there. Uh, I think White Sox fans are going to be thrilled when this guy gets here. Yeah, Robert's speed is so good for the outfield. I've never seen him dive. He doesn't have to leave his feet wow. because those big, long strides get him from point A to point B. Shorter guys, remember when Adam Eaton was out there running right. things down, and Engel's a little shorter. So they it, it looks like they're running and hustling a little bit more but Robert is more of a gazelle, more of a guy who's got a beautiful track-type uh, gait to him, gets from A to B, and it, he just makes everything look easy. Um, but, you know, you're just looking at a tremendous, tremendous future of both Eloy and Robert, and now especially Luis. Wow, a terrific five-tool guy. Now they, <clears throat> excuse me, call a sixth tool which is, you know, are you a gamer? Do you understand the game intuitively? Do you get there early, leave late? What kind of guy is he, not from the first inning to the ninth inning, but before and after? That's a great question. And I will tell you this. Let me quote from his uh, his English teacher. And, and there was a story we ran recently that all of the Latino players, especially, of course, the Cubans that come to Birmingham, there's a class twice a week. So I'll quote you from his, his English teacher who said he's the hardest working student in this class and he challenges himself every day to get better. Um, now, again, he'll need an interpreter when he gets there, and that's fine. But day by day, week by week, it's incredible how he's putting sentences 
and words and phrases together. So that shows me his aptitude of wanting to learn and wanting to be Americanized as soon as he possibly can. It's funny we're talking about a big guy, a guy six three, a guy that goes, a guy that goes and gets it. Now we're going to the complete opposite. I saw him yeah. standing together on the field uh, for the futures game. Nick Madrigal. I and, thought you meant we're going to a guy with your body. No, 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 not my body. But Nick Madrigal it could not have been be more opposite of Luis Robert. Probably five seven, five eight, but a guy that can get on base, a guy that can play the position of second base. And I'm looking at the uh, the Birmingham stats, and he's right up there Who's at the, the top. Yeah, the numbers are great. He's he's right up there with the numbers. You got uh, 385, 451, 468. Uh, a guy that just gets on base has three strikeouts with 109 at-bats, and obviously that's a wonderful thing. Um, what else can you tell us about him other than that? I'll start with what the scouts and what the White Sox told me before we got to Birmingham. Uh, you're going to love his character. You're going to love the a whole person of, uh, of Nick Madrigal, and they're absolutely right. And one thing that you can't put in a scouting report, and this is what's happened to the Barons, if you take a look, remember we really struggled in the first half, gotten off to a great start, went first place in the second half, and one thing that Magical does immediately, he makes everybody better, and he brings an energy that can't be duplicated. Uh, it's either there or it's not, guys. Okay, You can't fake it. And with Magical, everybody in the locker room couldn't wait for him to get there. He's got the smile that doesn't stop. Um, he plays like he plays like he thinks he's six foot two, right? Uh, and and just has this attitude uh, that it's infectious. And so you're better, you're a better player around him. The shortstop became better. The rest of the team we're scoring more runs. We're doing things. What I love about him, uh, and and again, scouts in our organization, people within our organization, and others have said that his ability to hit in situations is probably the best I've seen, in fact, since Chris Getz, who now runs the system. <laughs> um, and what that means, automatically, when there's a guy on second, Nick's the kind of guy gives himself up. He'll take that over to move the guy over to third. And he's done that more than once. He can bunt. He can just uh, two strikes, hit the ball to the right side. And these are special players because, guys, he's not looking at his numbers, his stats, like I've got to hit this or I need this many home runs. He's trying to win a game for the White Sox. And I was talking to a guy from a different team, a different uh, scout, and in, in, uh, not from our organization, but he said, you know, this guy's going to fit in perfectly with the rest of that White Sox lineup. If they retain Abreu, then you put Nick at second, Anderson at short, uh, and then Yohan at third. That's an incredibly solid. They get an all-star catcher. So, you know, they're building something special. And I think Magical is the type of guy that fits in that lineup perfectly. It's not like he's got to go to the Yankees and hit 18 home runs. Okay, go to the Dodgers and hit 20 home runs. Absolutely not. The White Sox could carry the power from the other positions, and all they want him to do is, if someone ahead of him gets on base, move him over. Move him over. Play solid defense. Uh, work the pivot. Uh, make sure you turn the yeah. double play. Hey, Very infectious guy. So, uh, final thing. Now, uh, Louis uh, uh, Robert. The other day I saw a quote, he says, I like batting leadoff. You know, here he got a guy that's too small to be a man, almost too, you know, he's almost a horse. And he likes batting leadoff. Now, you would think at first, Fred, Nick Madrigal, he's a leadoff guy. But you're talking about old school, number two hitter. Who would you right, put, right. who would you, not the organization, you're not speaking for them, Kurt Bloom, who do you think would be one, two in the batting order or two, one of those two guys? Are they both 
top of the order guys, and in what order would you think? Well, remember, I do make the decision. I am <laughs> good. You didn't give me enough credit, but actually, it has been done. it has been done perfectly. I'm a little shy, as you can tell. Yeah. Um, it has been done perfectly. Robert leads off, and magical hits second. There you go. That's it. Don't touch it. That's it. Don't touch it. It's one two wow. in that order. You know, one guy that uh, Robert reminds me of, especially when he was in his prime, is McCutcheon. And McCutcheon let off uh, for most of his Pittsburgh career. That's the type of tool set that Luis Robert, and again, because Magical can move guys over and gives himself up, he's more valuable in the two than the one. Hmm. And the last two days since Nick came back from the Futures game, he's still batting two. He's not batting one with us. Okay, we put uh, wow. Booker up there. There and you go. Wasabi came back last night. Yep. Very cool. Hey, that's great inside stuff, Kurt. We always appreciate your personal time. We love visiting with you and uh, hope that we can catch up with you again before the season ends, uh, y'all, down there in Birmingham. <laughs> yes. yes, well done. Well done. Some, some ribs are coming your way, guys. Thank you. And as they say in the South, Y'all have a good weekend. Both Thanks, of, guys. Is that both of us or one or both? Yeah, I'm just kidding. I never know if it's singular or plural. All right, great job, Kurt. Thanks, Kurt. Thanks, good work. Thanks, buddy. Kurt Bloom. Y'all. Hey, there's two things. One that just came over uh, yeah. about uh, Noah Syndergaard and another that, do you know what happened today just a couple years ago? Uh, disco demolition. No. That was 40 years ago Even, today. I said just a couple. We can talk about that when we come back. Okay, good. Murph and Fred back in a flash. ESPN 1000. Uh, welcome back in. Murph and Fred show. Hey, uh, two years ago today? Yeah. Two years ago today, it was the big trade. Quintana. Wow. For Eloy, Dylan yeah. Cease, Matt Rose, and Brian yeah. Fleet. And Noah Syndergaard going on the IL with hand, foot, and mouth disease. He's as big as a horse. They said he probably caught it from working with kids in a camp during the during the All-Star yeah, break. That's the new thing with kids. I've heard yeah. about that. Uh-huh. Uh, so Quintana, he's one game over five hundred with the Cubs, like, uh, you know, 27 and 26. Yeah. His whip, which is really the key, his worst two years in the big leagues, whip-wise and ERA-wise, I know ERA sucks, right. but have been the, this, this, the Cubs last two years, this year and last year. Let's quick slide in Mike from West Chicago. Mike, Murph and Fred, go. Hello, back on hold. Let's try. <laughs> I didn't put him Darryl, on Daryl, what's up? Daryl, Hello. Hey guys, I know you don't have a lot of time, so I just want to get Can't hear you, can't hear you. Let's go back to Mike. Hello, Mike. Hey guys, how you doing? Hey, Good, Mike. Go. Hey, so I was just thinking, you talk about this leadoff stuff for like the past couple of days now. Um, I was thinking, Billy Hamilton, he's not even on their starting, like he's off the bench now. I know he's only hitting 217, but he's only uh, $4 million on the book. His on, hold on, um, hold on. I love your angle. His on base is under 300, so that don't work. Uh, I was just thinking, though, maybe coming to the Cubs, you might get a little resurgence. Are under 300, so that don't work. But I, thanks for holding. Nice try, Mike. I heard someone else mention it. He can't get on base. No. He's, he's, he's not going to be in the majors for long. No. Can't be. No good deed goes unpunished. Can't get on base. you got no. got to get on base, and he's not doing it. All right. So let's see. Now we've straightened out everything with the Cubs. All they have to do is get a, a leadoff hitter second base. The White Sox, I'm telling you, who's 
done best on the rebuild. It was a runaway about 60-40 or 65-35 that Theo, <laughs> come back in another year. Let's see who's done best on this rebuild thing. To hear that report on those two White Sox guys yep. coming up. Yep. Bat number one, number two, and Luis then Luis Robert you, and Madrigal. That's unbelievable. Yeah, should and, be fun. And look at the infield. That now we really know why they moved Mancada um, over to third base, among other reasons. Don't get me wrong. Well, they knew they weren't going to get uh, Manny Machado, and then they, so that that was one thing. They didn't need him. They got this. They got Ma- Madrigal. Well, no, they didn't need Manny Machado because they got Moncada, who's well, putting up numbers just about as good as uh, Manny. They got them both. Yeah. The uh, only thing that might be reevaluated would be Tim a- uh, Anderson, not to run him out of town, but maybe there's something long. I would just like to see him run on the field. That'd be nice. Well, that would that would be nice. Yeah. Hey, want to thank our guests. No good deed goes unpunished. I knew not to go to the phone, Fred. Let's say thank you, Jesse Rogers, and thank you, Kurt Bloom, uh, Radio Man, White Sox Double A. Terrific. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Eric Ostrowski. Uh-huh. He'll be with me tomorrow. I'm here from 10 till 12, right after Chris Black, Adam Abdallah. They're on 8 until 10. Yeah. You're on the ESPN 1000. And if you're blinded in the Wrigley Field bleachers, that's because Jesse didn't wear a hat. Murphy, Fred, thanks for listening. Thanks for going. See you later, everybody. See you real soon.